Happy Halloween, Festival Lost Spooky Guardians. It's October 30th and 31st, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 42, and we are heading deep into the pit and taking on the story and the lore behind Crota's End as uh, part three to our look at the first expansion from Destiny, The Dark Below. Uh, I am X-Wraith, X-Ray441, and this week with me, I've got Drop Slasher. How's it going, man? It's going. Uh, we t- took a week off there, and <clears throat> let's see, in that time, Destiny-wise, uh, hit 400, kept my tier 12 build, running with all the gear that I love. I mentioned that at the start of the show. My other two characters are coming along quite nicely. They're both at 398. So just raiding and getting bounties done and sort of doing that fun stuff. Uh and then two days ago, I got attacked by a crazy dog. Ah, yeah, that, that totally sucks, by the way. I hope your, yeah. your puppy's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm fine. My I spent uh, Friday night in the, the puppy dog emergency ward with my dog because <laughs> she had her ear t- torn open by this other dog. So. Ah, yuck. Builds character. Scars her, yeah. <laughs> so she came back. She came back with some stitches in her ear. They're driving her nuts, but nothing. I'm sure. nothing, nothing serious. So. She have the cone of shame on. She had the cone of shame on, and then I took it off because the cone of shame is shameful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is too much shame. <laughs> yeah. Although today, well, and- today I was shown a picture of a dog with a cone of shame that had two big olives sticking out of it, and it was a dog Halloween costume as a march. Oh, that's that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, well, since you mentioned it, um, yeah, we did take last week off. It was kind of an unscheduled week off. We just we got really busy, and we had these these notes took its toll on us. There are there's there's so much stuff we had to get done with these notes, and and some other things we all had going on in our real life. So we uh, we skipped a week, but uh, everyone seems to be pretty content since we had stuff going on with with the festival, and and there was a lot of a lot of other good things happening this past week so sorry about that we're going to do our best to keep on our weekly schedule for now and, and see how things go um you heard uh ghoul ratchet in there <laughs> gavel ratchet what's going on man not too much um i have not hit 400 on any character yet which is annoying um <laughs> how, we we just ran two hard mode raids tonight how'd that not well happen? i mean i'm 399 398 398 Oh. So I'm close. Maybe next week, one or two of them might get there. Um, what are you missing? Well, my hunter. Let's see. My hunter has no. My my warlock has three ninety. No, three eighty nine boots, which is the killer there. Um, it's the worst one. Is one. Thing yeah, like my that. hunter needs like arms and chest are both in the three ninety five, three ninety six range. I can't remember what my Titan needs because I'm playing my Titan since earlier this week and there have been Halloween parties <laughs> since then. Um but yeah, I'm close, just a couple drops away on each character. My ghost and artifact and all my weapons are all four hundred. So all the stuff that I share is four hundred. It's just each character has a piece of armor or two that I need to get caught up on. Um, yeah, other gotcha. than that it's been man Skyrim for the last few days. That special edition came out. And nice. It's just been a blast. Yes. Cool. Cool. And uh, real quiet. last but not least, coming to us from actual Halloween day, which I'm <laughs> kind of jealous about. Uh, we've got Spectral Pop. What's going on, Sherb? Uh, not much. I've had a 
not too busy week. Uh, well, busy week in real life, not gaming. But I finally got a chance to um, uh, run the raid again this week because um, I, I was trying to do it blind with my fire team, and it uh, it's hard to get everyone together to do that. We got to the end. We didn't finish the end. So, yeah, that's not much else. Oh, actually, other than Skyrim as well, which I've been playing also, which is lots of fun. Yeah, there are a bunch of people in our in our Slack that have jumped in on, on Skyrim. We have a channel for it, and it's been a lot of fun. Everybody's sharing, like, character builds and, you know, those ridiculous broken Bethesda game things that always happen that are just... They're either really frustrating because they ruin your game, or they're hilarious. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's that's the so. thing. It's it's like ah, oh, the game's so broken, and it's like a bittersweet. Like, it's it's funny or it's horrible. Because I I'd be sitting there talking to like my boyfriend playing at the same time, and he's like, ah, oh, so this character just didn't appear, and now I can't do this entire quest line. Yeah. I have to reload a save from like hours ago. I'm like, ah, plates are flying across the room. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, those you can just be like, oh, it's ghosts. Okay, Skyrim is haunted. Mm. But yeah, Mm. when stuff doesn't exist that's supposed to exist, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. So many things broken. (sighs) But well, let's uh, let's jump into our quick thanks and announcements for this week, so we can get this show rolling. It's going to be a long one. I'm not sure if we're going to fit it all in or not. So let's uh, let's start with. Festival of the Lost. I'm going to talk about that for a second. <laughs> Please put full twenty, full size twenty dollar bills into Bungie's candy basket. <laughs> I did. It was. I don't know. I had. I had fun. Yeah, I did too. I bought. I bought some stuff and and got. Uh, I got everything except for the flaming wolf helmet. What? I thought you got that. So, no, that's the only one I didn't get. <laughs> um, but I but I didn't open the packages on my alt yet. So I'm going to see how that goes before I spend any more real yeah. dollars. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I've had fun with it. It's, it's good. I feel like, uh, last year might've been a little, I don't know. It was just different. I don't want to say if it's better or not, but, uh, a little different feeling about it. So, yeah, I, I mean, these things, I know there are a lot of people that have, that have taken issue with some of the stuff, you know, with this kind of stuff. I, I, I happen to really like Halloween and, and always have a lot of fun with it. So, I mean, I set myself a $20 limit and I got what I got and I didn't get the devil ghost and I was a little bit sad about that, but I'm not going to spend any more. So that's fine. I've, I've enjoyed it for what it is. I do wish it was more, right? I wish there was more with the quests and stuff like that, but Hey, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, they, I don't know. I think they could have, could have done more quests, which would have made it more fun. Uh, they were just, there was quick. I saw a good suggestion about that, which was like, uh, it's just a suggestion on Reddit I saw that was like to make the Eva quest line repeatable so that you can grind out those boxes without paying, but you have to do all those mask quests. But then that would make well, it a like, more replayable as well. I liked what Gathalion said. He said there should be like, a, you should be able to earn rep with her and each time she levels up, then you get a, a new chest to open. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. I don't know. I kept my mask. I kept my skull loss mask from last year. That was my favorite one. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sad. I'm sad the broom sparrow is going to go away. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah, been the most fun thing that I've in all of Festival of the Lost is 
every time I pull that sparrow out, I just laugh to myself. <laughs> also, it handles so well. It's it just really dry. The, the turning on it, and oh, it's beautiful. I really want it for SRL. Has anybody, I haven't seen any videos yet, but has anybody done like a custom combined arms Quidditch match? Yeah, everyone's talking about doing Quidditch <laughs> matches. I haven't actually seen anyone yeah, do one Rift yet. with brooms. Yeah. Oh, Rift, that'd be hilarious. Can you carry the thing on a sparrow? Yes. There you oh, go. That would be really cool then. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I really like that sparrow. Uh, but the rest of the stuff I'm not really that concerned about. Like, I'm not, I haven't bought anything. I, I'm not going to sacrifice my builds for a, a silly ghost or anything like that. I did. Right, right. <laughs> but, all right, well, what else we got going on? Oh, our happy birthday t-shirt that Jared, or design that Jared made for us that we put on a shirt. Uh, the sales end this Friday. Um, I think this Friday, is that right? That's like yes. the third or the fourth. So, I think that's the fourth. Yeah. Yeah, so go uh so go check that out and pick yourself up a awesome shirt. Yeah. Kind of one of a kind. And thanks again to to Jared for designing that for us. It's pretty Yeah, it's uh it's it's very cool. Uh and and if you didn't hear us, we you know, I don't even know if we've talked about it in episode besides in the outtakes from two ago. Um but what it is is uh, it's it's uh, a hunter, titan, and warlock uh, hanging out around a campfire with a ghost, and the ghost is kind of in the center, uh, essentially kind of telling ghost stories, you know, um, which is is awesome in itself. But then it's got the city in the background and the traveler, and then there's a, a moon that uh, is very Crota esque <laughs> in design. <laughs> it's very it's, it's so neat, um, but uh, but it looks great. It's such a such a cool design. So check it out. Uh, we've had some requests too uh, to bring back the ugly sweaters we had last year. So um, I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not. I haven't talked to Scoob yet. They'd need a, probably a little, little bit of a redesign um, on a on a couple of the the variations, uh, or just get rid of them altogether. But uh, we'll we'll have some more info on that coming up pretty soon, hopefully. Because I think last year when we released them, uh, they were just barely getting to people's houses right before Christmas and. And I know people wanted to, to wear them prior to the holiday, so we'll try to get them up pretty soon if we're going to do that. Um, and Scoob just might be working then, on something else totally magical and amazing. And that's all we're going to do about that. He always is. I know he is. I know what it is. I saw it. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. I want to put that on my body already. It's so awesome. Oh, my. I can't. Uh. All right. Um I'm also, if you can't tell, I've been under the weather, uh, so I'm not sure how much talking I'll be doing this episode, uh, but I'll, I'll definitely be here to, to chime in and sound like a grumpy old zombie or whatever the heck <laughs> is going on with me. But um, uh, last, last thing I have, though, is we've got a listener. Her name's Brooke uh, from our Slack chat and from Twitter, and she somehow ended up with a, an extra... Uh, Gallerwing and Iron Gallahorn code. Uh, do we decide? If, were those just for the Xbox? I th- it I looks think so. like it. I think so too. Let me let me try to peek at those. Well, while he's doing that drop, did you have an extra thing that we were gonna do a a thing for? Did I? Oh yeah, I did. Uh, Where did I get an extra thing of the soundtrack? 
Yeah, the sa- the <gasps> stuff that I didn't know. I don't have an extra no, copy the, of the, the emblem, soundtrack. The emblem from the soundtrack. Yeah, the emblem that comes from buying the soundtrack. Yeah, so we have three things. Yeah, uh, let me make sure I still have that. Yeah, that definitely looks like a like an Xbox code. Let me look in their email too. Um, but anyway, uh, what we're gonna do for this is give away the Iron Gallahorn and Iron Gallowing Sparrow code to anyone who might not have pre-ordered early enough to receive that, uh, which is pretty awesome. I can't. I mean, it's it's amazing that she donated that to us to give away to somebody. Um, I've got mine, and, and I think everyone else does. Sure, I think got her. Gallahorn, but not her Galler wing. Is that right? Yeah. You should check the check I, the I sparrow kiosk. Know. It might be there. Oh, oh, it's not there. Oh. <laughs> I checked. <laughs> I, it was weird because I I thought it came in the pre order that I got, and then when I checked the pre order, I couldn't see the pre order after it came out because you know it wasn't a pre order anymore. You couldn't find the thing. But I I don't know the code just said Gallahorn, so I guess I didn't get the Galler wing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't say specifically which console it is, but the code it definitely looks like an Xbox code. I can't remember. I thought the PlayStation codes PlayStation were quite codes a bit shorter. Are way shorter than Xbox codes. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's call this an Xbox contest. Sorry, sorry, PlayStationers. Um, <laughs> so if you if you want to enter the contest, you need to uh, either hit us up on Twitter with just a, a comment about the show or whatever, and add in. Uh, a hashtag of DGS Iron Stuff, or you can uh, go to our website, which is destinyghoststories.com, and there's a feedback section that you can go there, and in your uh, in the subject, go ahead and put uh, DGS Iron Stuff there, and send us uh, an email. Let us know you're interested and 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 why. Tell us why you wanna why do you want an Iron Galler wing and an Iron Gallahorn if you don't have one already. Um, or you can email us, uh, but we're kind of trying to, to steer most of the people to our website just because it makes it a little cleaner and easier for us uh, if, you, if you don't mind. And, and we are, so. we're going to split those up and give one like, to two different people, right? One, one person. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, one well, person ooh, yeah, let's do that. Ooh, that's, that's good so that we have multiple winners, but also, oh, man, I guess beggars can't be choosers. So, yeah, you get what you get well, we'll and you do don't throw a fit. And we can Whoever gets drawn yeah. for the so two lucky winners there we go perfect um, yeah just do that let us know uh, why you why you want it and make sure to to tag us or whatever and win yourself something cool there you go and the code I yeah I have a code for the transcendence emblem uh, and I will I'll think of something fun to do for that and provide details later cool nice very cool. Uh, and I, is that that's about it for announcements? We don't have much really happening. No, I think I think right? that's it. Uh, well, if that's if that's it, let's jump into this Crota's End business. This business. Um, this business. And again, uh, if you are jumping in to this as a first episode ever. Uh, don't do that because this is a this is part three uh, of a series. So you need to go back a couple and start back at uh, the Dark Below, Dark Below, yeah, Dark Below part one, uh, where we start talking about the first Destiny expansion. So on to the on to the raid. Yeah, definitely listen to those Curtis first, especially and- if you weren't a year one guardian. Uh, we go into a lot of detail in Dark Below part two about quests that are no longer available. So it's stuff that. 
you had to be there to play and you can't play anymore. Right. Yep. But yeah, so we're going to do a quick recap uh, as we go into Crota's End. So we got a, a line here from The Awakening, which was, <clears throat> we called it a temple where we first saw Crota go, find it, and make it his grave. That's good old Eris Morn, who's currently in the tower complaining about dead people. <clears throat> so the story so far, here's, here's the three big-ish topics we need to hit uh, real quick before going into the rest of this episode. Part one. Or the first thing on this list, the Mare Imbrium disaster. So, in a unified effort by the city and consensus during the city age to retake the moon from the hive, thousands of guardians were killed by the hive forces led by Crota, the son of Oryx. It would later become come to be known as the Great Disaster. So this was the first time the guardians in the city and sort of the vanguard faced off against a significant hive threat. It was Crota. He murderated a whole ton of guardians. Uh, the whole reason the dark blow even happens is tied into that. So this is dealing with the first Crota fire team. Uh, so following the events at Mare Imbrium, Ariana III, driven by grief and vengeance over the loss of her beloved Wei Ning at the hands of Crota, plots to infiltrate the Temple of Crota and destroy the Hive God Prince with a small team of specialists that includes Eris Morn, Omar Aga, Sai Moda, Vel Tarlo, and Toland the Shattered. They are overconfident and unprepared, and they're killed off one by one by the Hive. Uh, Ariana, lost and dying in the stills, finally admits her folly and attempts to immolate herself in solar flames, taking dozens of Hive along with her. Toland, meanwhile, seeks out Ir Ute, the Death Singer, to fulfill his long-standing plan of reaching the Ascended Plane. Eris, the only survivor, hides in the tunnels for years with the help of Toland's journal, and eventually escapes back to the tower, bent on her own plan for vengeance. Uh, and yes, you read that right, there were six people... If you have read the Festival of the Lost Underwatch Grimoire card, it lists Vel and Tarlo as different people. <laughs> uh, but no, Vel Tarlo is one person. One amazing person. <laughs> yes, one amazing, dead, terrible person. With the butt towel that actually looks like a tea towel. There you go. Yeah, so that card <laughs> reads... Uh, Happy, count what I've lost, my companions, Ariana, Sai, Omar, Vel, Tarlo, Toland. <laughs> my eyes, my ghost, my ship. <laughs> it's like... They just Eris. copied and pasted a list of the fire team. Yes, not remembering that Eris is part of that fire team, which would have made it seven. <laughs> also, Vel and Tarlo are not two different people. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate your use of commas, Bungie, but they're one guy. So even in death, Vel gets <laughs> no respect. No respect. All the respect All he right. deserves, really. I guess that's true. Uh, man, that, that raised some issues last week. There were some people rushing to Vel's defense, but doesn't matter. He's dead. Uh, <laughs> happy Halloween. Uh <laughs> So Eris returning to the tower is what prompts the Dark Below storyline, which was what we discussed in the past two episodes, uh, the first expansion in Destiny. Eris returns to the tower with a warning. Crota will soon rise and, uh, and take the Earth just like she did the moon. 
His armies have already begun their invasion of Earth, led by the wizard and broodmother Omnigul. With Eris's guidance, our guardian routes Crota's army and generals, culminating in the destruction of Omnigul and the disruption of the ritual used to manifest Crota on our Earth. But it's not the end. Deep in the moon, through the keyhole that leads to the Ascendant Plane, is the Oversoul Throne, which is Crota's throne world. And until he's defeated there, his threat remains. And that takes us to Crota's End, the raid where we go into his house. No, I'm paranoid. I'm watching that little Skype thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh. So uh, this raid had a few themes. Uh, and I originally had one listed as Descent, but then, Gabble, you got some notes here about that. Yeah, I found um, an interview with, with Luke Smith where he said, um, when we sit down as a team and talk about building a new raid, we start with, what's the theme? The theme of Vault of Glass was Descent. With Crota's, with Crota's end, one-way trip became the theme. So there we go. Which is cool. I and mean, I guess like... It makes, a lot of, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. You can't really go backtracking in a lot of areas. Well, and it was certainly yeah. a one-way trip for the first Crota Fire team. Yeah. True enough. Has anybody ever climbed back out of Crota's end? I know Surfer Boy climbed out of the vault. I don't know if anybody's tried with Crota's End. No, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's possible. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about why. <clears throat> well, there was there uh, once you once you get to where you fight Crota, um, you can get on top of the map and uh, make your way all the way back out to the uh, the bridge. Oh, nice. But you can't get down back through the oh the, the keyhole back through the keyhole into the into the stills yeah. Well, you can't even you can't even get back down to the playable area. You're kind of stuck above the map, above the uh, uh, the roof, oh. the ceiling, whatever. You know what I mean? But you can't. But it is possible. I've I've done it and and had been there with a few people. We get, would get lost and stuck. It it wasn't fun. Oh, I want to get up was, there now. It was cool. Yeah, you got to go. So you go to where like Crota spawns, you jump up to the left where you can jump up and get on top of the the uh, crystal room. Mm-hmm. And then from there, there's just a couple different ways you can kind of break out of the geometry and Sweet. go across. I gotta, I gotta go do that. All right. <clears throat> so part of that one-way trip is bridges. We cross many bridges in Crota's End, uh, both literal and figurative. So the, the raid itself starts with a bridge, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, entering the keyhole after the stills is a bridge crossing um, to the Oversoul throne from the facade is a bridge. Uh, the keyhole itself is a door between realities. Uh, that's sort of like bridging our two worlds. And then the Ascendant Sword is described by Toland as a bridge, a crossing point. So, and swords will play a, a large part in this raid. So let's talk about those, the blades. Uh, when we talked about uh, the Dark Below introduced... It didn't introduce the sword mechanic, but it reintroduced the sword mechanic that we first encounter... Uh, in the sort of Crota mission on the moon in Vanilla Destiny. 
So those swords are broken into two different types of blade. There, one is just a generalized cleaver, and one is the ascendant sword. So we'll do cleaver first, because it's exactly what it sounds like. <clears throat> uh, carved fossilized bone and hell-forged metal, dulled by centuries of slaughter and execution, the cleaver is a terrible weapon of a hive knight. Despite their mass, they swing easily, as if the sword were aware of its action and eager to tear into the light. So, not every sword is an Ascendant Sword. This next one, though, is one of my favorite Grimoire cards, and that is the Ascendant Sword. <clears throat> so I'm going to read through this real quick and point out some of these notes. Eris. Eris, what a name. A name for discord, a name for far, cold orbits where no living thing should dare to go. I like this name. Let me give you a gift, Eris. Let me tell you about the power of the logic of the sword. A shredder or a boomer is a powerful weapon, but it kills acyclically. You see, it sends out harm and takes nothing back. The bolt passes away into nothing. A sword, though, a sword is like a bridge, a crossing point. The sword binds wielder to victim, it binds life to death. And when the binding is done, the sword remembers. When a boomer's fire has burnt away into axion and neutrino scatter, the sword goes on, hungrier and sharper. <clears throat> Understanding that this nightmare logic underpins his nightmare world, and you will see why the Ascendant Blade has so much power there. Whenever in our passage we find ourselves in need of power, remember that the greatest authority here is a blade made keen by eons of use. This is the world the Hive craves, a universe creased by the edge of the sharpest sword. And that is our boy Toland. <laughs> So right at the very beginning, uh, he says, Eris, a name for discord, and that is true. Eris is the Greek goddess of strife and discord, <laughs> quite plainly. Uh, her name is the equivalent of Latin discordia, which means discord. So then they've got a whole bunch of notes here on, on Eris. Uh, the most famous tale of Eris recounts her initiating, the, her initiating the Trojan War by causing the judgment of Paris. Uh, the goddess Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite had been invited along with the rest of Olympus to be the uh, to the forced wedding of Peleus and Thetis, who would become the parents of Achilles. But Eris had been snubbed because of her troublemaking inclinations. <laughs> Good job, Eris. Uh, but this this is the story of basically Eris tossing the apple of discord <laughs> into the court uh, and then causing all kinds of crazy shenanigans uh, between was it like uh, Athena and Aphrodite Helen and then Paris gets stuck in the middle it's all kinds of problems so yeah that's all Eris is doing she is the epitome of discord but then the second thing he says is a name for far cold orbits <clears throat> and that is because Eris is the most massive and second largest dwarf planet known in the solar system uh, it is the ninth most massive body uh, directly orbiting the sun, the largest known body in the solar system not visited by a spacecraft. Uh, it's way out by Pluto. Uh, Eris is actually more massive than Pluto, even though Pluto has a larger diameter. So there you go. Eris, Eris the tiny planets in a far cold orbit. <laughs> I also love how he says where no living thing should dare to go. 
it makes me wonder if there's something hiding on the surface of Eris in the world of Destiny. <laughs> the, the dwarf planet, not Eris herself. I wondered if that was just a, a reference to the outer solar system as it is now in the game, shrouded in sort of darkness. You don't want to go beyond the um, sort of reach of the traveler's light, as it were. Yeah, that's true that's, as that's well. That's how I took that. Far cold orbits is like, as far as the game goes, it's where no living thing should dare to go, because that's yeah. outside traveler. Yeah, I'm dead orbit. I go wherever I want. <laughs> <laughs> you just go should. wherever it's Sounds like easier to go, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just guidelines <clears throat> this next note is by you gavel this is something we have had many <laughs> many many discussions about <laughs> it does seem to come yeah. up like twice a week at least easily <laughs> and that is the sword logic yes. without without the sword logic ever without that name ever existing tolan defines it in this card yes and this is why, and I think a lot of people also occasionally ask the question, you know, what, and people ask me this because I always use swords, but, but why, we're in a space fantasy shooter, why would you use a sword? Like, that's stupid, use a gun. And this this passage right here is exactly why we use swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially why the hive, uh, everything is so tied to the blades here, the ascendant blades. Yeah, so the yeah, the passage where he says a sword though a sword is like a bridge across a point, the sword binds binds wielder to victim, binds life to death. Uh you know, like we've talked about in this like this is this is their this is the hive's belief system. Right? Yeah. This is not a necessarily at least in our world, this is not an actual ability of the hive to stab something with a sword and steal its power like a Highlander. <laughs> like, where that gets blurry is when you start talking about an ascendant, a, a, an ascendant hive's throne world where their will makes the rules. So, yeah, Crota can make swords in his throne realm insanely powerful. Like, he can make that be the only thing that has the power to damage him because he defines the rules of that reality. So that's totally different than what our guardians are experiencing generally out here in the world, fighting things. Where yeah, we can kill things with swords all the time. It doesn't give us their power. Unfortunately. Sadly, yeah. Especially if you're using Young Wolf's Howl, then you're you're having your own power it, taken it, away. <laughs> Young Wolf's Howl could use some power. Yeah. <laughs> Should you just shoot a giant fireball out of it or something? Anything other than what it does. <laughs> it should automatically give you the flaming wolf head. Oh, there you go. If you wear the flaming wolf head, maybe Young Wolf's Howl becomes amazing. Oh, I mean, I haven't tested it, so I can't say I'm not. It's not true. If I ever see anybody wearing that in a game, I'm going to spam them with flaming wolf job over and over. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, Tolan. <laughs> so yeah, this is the and he calls it again here. He calls it the nightmare logic, uh, but Toland often refers to throne realms or the Ascendant Plane as the Nightmare World or the Nightmare Plane. So. Uh, and yeah, the greatest authority is the Blade Made Keen here. Mm-hmm. And this is important to remember as we get as we discuss the end end of this raid where we fight Crota himself. We'll have to remember, you know, 
the Ascendant Blade is the greatest authority uh, in a world that is defined by the sword. So. Yeah. Uh, and where do those swords come from? Those swords come from sword bears. Sword bearer. With picnic sword baskets. Bears. Yes. <laughs> this is, if you never played year one, you missed an amazing meme, the sword bear meme. But, uh... <laughs> Swordbearer. Like the blades of Crota that appeared in the patrol uh, world events, swordbearers are sword knights that drop their blades upon death. This becomes a key mechanic in Crota's end because, as discussed above, the Ascendant Sword is the only thing powerful enough to damage Crota in his throne. So, you'll see a lot of swordbearers uh, all over Crota's end. And along with them, they introduce a new mechanic, which is the Gatekeeper mechanic. Uh, gatekeepers are also sword knights, but these knights can only be killed by an Ascendant Blade. Uh, they are seen in several places in Crota's End, most notably at the bridge encounter at the uh, facade of the Oversoul Throne. Where the player must uh, bring a sword across a bridge, you are not required to kill the gatekeeper, but leaving one alive on the away side of the bridge is generally a bad idea, given that back in the day they could two-shot you from full health. The Gatekeepers were no joke. <laughs> Unless you could run in circles. True. <laughs> or you could tempt them to, to fall off the edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still do when I'm soloing over there. Uh, and we're going to talk about light here in a minute. Uh, so let's do that. Then we'll talk about... Again, now, like we were just talking earlier, it's like, I'm 400 light. I'm level 40. Like... <laughs> I swing my sword and everything dies. <laughs> Wasn't quite the same back in the day. Uh, these these dudes were legitimate threats. Uh, they're no joke. Especially the gatekeepers. Yeah. Uh, light is another big major mechanic, which makes sense because this is destiny. Uh, but at several points in Crota's End, Guardians must essentially give their light... Uh, to power a glyph to cross a chasm. This happens in three different encounters. Uh, same place as we discussed the bridges. So that's the descent into the Hellmouth, the final lamp in the stills, and on the bridge to the Oversoul Throne. Anyway, I had a note here about gatekeepers, right? I mean, we'll talk about them in a minute. Yeah, being turquoise. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the stills, guardians have to use... The light of the lanterns to unburden themselves from the weight of darkness, which we'll talk about. And in the final encounter in the presence of Crota, uh, Crota's power suppresses a guardian's light, preventing them from recovering health and shields. But then in normal mode, there's a unique item called the Chalice of Light that can block the effect of the presence of Crota, but only carried by a single guardian at a time. So all these new and interesting uses sort of of light that didn't really exist prior to uh, this expansion dropping. And this introduces us a bit to the way the Hive used the light, which is greatly expanded upon in The Taken King. Uh, oh yeah, so the gatekeepers uh, are turquoise in color, which could technically place them into the silent brood, which we talked about last episode, uh, not the spawn of Crota. Given their name, this would make sense as the Silent Brood are the wardens and keepers of places like the dungeons on the Dreadnought. So the name Gatekeeper kind of makes sense for them to be part of the Silent Brood. Whether that had been implemented in the game by this point, we don't really know, but I like to imagine that there was. 
fun little hint of things to come. Well, now that we know that Eris was intentionally having us summon Oryx, yeah, I guess it go. was all planned out. <laughs> all right, so that's the the basic breakdown. Let's to the moon, Guardians. Uh, somebody want to take this Ariana 3 quote? Yeah, Neon Bath is taking this Ariana 3 quote. Oh, awesome. <laughs> My name is Ariana Three, disciple of the Praxic Warlocks, marked by the Cormorant Seal, survivor of the Great Disaster. The day we set out to retake our moon, united in a host of thousands, and found ourselves outmatched by one hive champion of unspeakable power. The monster's name is Crota. He killed my friends face to face, one by one, and he relished it. In the name of all those I lost, I devote myself to his utter destruction. This is my confession. If I transgress in your eyes, I ask for your forgiveness. In our world, Crota seemed invincible. Together, Eris Morn and I worked the problem, but found no hope. So we sought forbidden knowledge the exiled master of Hive Arcana. We found Toland. Toland tells us that Crota's presence in our world is a shadow, that its true power resides in another world forged by his will. We must pass through a keyhole between realities, navigate the seething midnight of Crota's world mind, and overthrow the ascendant champions that gather to his throne. Toland speaks... He hardly seems mad, at times, of the terrible things that await us. A secret song he hungers to learn, and the issue of that song, an ashen burning star husk that looms above, the utter antithesis of life. He talks of it with a curious ambition I do not want to understand. Tomorrow, I will ask Aga, Muta, and Tarlo if they will go with us. If we fail, I leave this record for guardians to come. Remember us. All right, the Hellmouth, part one of Crota's End. So, we spawn in on the moon, on a the far side of the Hellmouth, a place you cannot normally get to via patrol unless you are a master flying with a sparrow, or the sword, which I guess is possible. Uh, in the dark beyond the Hellmouth, there is a terrible need for light. It's from the Light of the Abyss, which we'll talk about. Lo- who Did you write this, Gabble? What the hell is a Hellmouth? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So what the hell is a Hellmouth? Well, according to <laughs> Wikipedia, uh, Hellmouth is an entrance to hell envisioned as the gaping mouth of a huge monster, an image which first appears in Anglo-Saxon art and then spread all over Europe, remaining very common in depictions of the last judgment and harrowing of hell until the end of the Middle Ages, and still sometimes used in the Renaissance and after. It enjoyed something of a revival in polemical popular prints after the Protestant Reformation, when figures from the opposite side would be shown disappearing into the mouth. Um, I mean, this this so this is talking about a piece of artwork. <laughs> um, medieval theater often had a hellmouth prop or a mechanical device, which was used to attempt to scare the audience by vividly dramatizing the entrance to hell. These seem often to have featured battlemented a 
Wow. A battlemented castle entrance in painting usually associated with heaven. Hmm. And guys, you mentioned it in that last line. Uh, in the context of Christian theology, the harrowing of hell uh, is Old English or Middle English term for the triumphant descent of Christ into hell between the time of his crucifixion and his resurrection. So that's oddly appropriate. <laughs> There's also that whole Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing. Yeah, I was about to say, can I just like, like obligatory mention of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hellmouth? Like, because <laughs> I, ne- I never watched Buffy. There's a, there a Hellmouth thing? I never watched it either. My oh, Yeah, so somebody else should. Oh, I've seen okay, it. Okay, go for it. Okay, like, okay, brief, brief explanation of like, okay, so the whole premise of the Hellmouth in Buffy is that where they live is like the Hellmouth, and it's not a physical like mouth, but it's like all the demons and stuff are just there. Like it's it's a concentration of evil more so than a gaping maw. Oh, I think there is a physical thing of it, but I think over just it's been a while since I saw Buffy, but it's I'll like Dana corrected on that. But it's, it's like, like the, Dana's. Yeah, it's just the collection of evil. It's all gathered in the one spot because mm. it's just sort of there. It's Dana's apartment building from Ghostbusters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty much. Although interesting, so the. That quote that I just read from the harrowing of hell, uh, between the time of his crucifixion and his resurrection, where he brought salvation to all the righteous who had died since the beginning of the world. Uh, I wonder if that is describing us and Eris's fire team. They were not righteous. <laughs> they deserve what happened to them. They were seeking no vengeance. What, no matter what Danny says. <laughs> they were kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the the Hellmouth was also um, so so when when Bungie was designing Destiny, right? They would come up with these images that they they wanted to sort of encapsulate the feeling of each planet, of each play area. Mm-hmm. And so there's a really cool image. They refer to these as postcards. It's really cool. The original postcard image of the moon was the original concept art for the Hellmouth. So this is I sweet. Mean, yeah, they were. They were thinking about this giant hole in the moon that evil spewed out of from the very beginning. Nice. I will put that image uh, in the show notes. Did I have a... You've got a link for it right here. Excellent. Good job, me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And yeah, that's... We've got some quotes here from Sam Jones, the Bungie lead environment artist. Uh, described the Hellmouth as having, quote, one function only, to ask of the player what lies within. Um, he also said, let's see, hive, hive architecture generally meant to have an accentuated sense of scale, menace, and a hefty touch of the exotic without being too alien. So, And the Hellmouth takes those principles and expands them to a colossal scale. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. But yeah, appropriate themes themes for the hive: mystery, darkness, evil, strength, and militarism. Hmm. Sweet, yeah. I'll link I'll link both that article, uh, which also has that piece of artwork, in the show notes, and you can take a look at the original concept art for the Hellmouth, and sort of what their designs for what it was going to look like. Some really cool art. Man, I can look at Bungie concept art all day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, look at Bungie concept art and listen to Destiny soundtracks. 
That'd be fine. Yes. All right, there's going to be noise in my background for like the next two minutes, so I apologize. No worries. I just won't say anything. You can read the bridge part and then mute my track later. (laughs) So yeah, we get to the first bridge. We spawn into Kurtizen just above the edge of the Hellmouth. Uh, just downslope from our guardian is a plate. As soon as we step on the plate, the glyph begins to glow, as if our very light is being taken into the plate and powering it. Uh, which I, I've, I've always thought was interesting, and, and, and sort of thought that at the very beginning, when this was new, it wasn't really until uh, the Books of Sorrow that we sort of learned about the, the hive concept of, of tithing light. And this just sort of ties into that to me. It's like, we're, we're paying a toll, right? We're, we're giving of ourselves to be able to enter. Uh, once the glyph has been powered long enough, the bridge appears. At the end of it is a circular platform with a hole in the middle. Uh, you jump in the hole, and you fall a very long way into the bottom of the stills. So we're paying the troll toll to get into Crota's hole? Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was the Always Sunny reference. Somebody out there has got to get that. Sorry. <laughs> That's kind of my mental state right now. Too much drugs. All right. Uh, This downslope area, something to notice, this will come up. We've talked about this a lot uh, in the Books of Sorrow, and the reason why is contained within the Books of Sorrow. But if you look to the left and right, this whole downslope area is lined with these square-shaped lamp-looking devices. But if you get up close to them, they are Vex. It's a Vex architecture, sort of slowly being taken over by Hive architecture. Uh, And that is a theme that continues throughout the entire raid. We will run across sort of very Vexy-looking things that are reclaimed by the Hive. And we know that is because at some point, Crota was tricked by Savathun, you know, a millennia ago, into slicing into space that belonged to the Vex and unleashed the Vex into the Ascendant Plane, so... Yeah, and we see that Vex architecture all the way into uh, uh, Crota's, um, Crota's throne room. Yep. So, yeah, take a look to your left and right. Instead of just bolting for the, the glyph plate, take a look <laughs> to your left and right. Notice some Vex architecture. Okay, uh, so as an aside, mm-hmm. like just a side note, what about the architecture heading to the Shrine of Oryx? That's crazy yeah. looking and doesn't match anything else? Yeah, yeah, like that's a that's a mystery to me. That architecture, big like electric looking mm-hmm. wire, like cables to this but, nice big round tunnel of fun with the lights in it, and you can go and, and that giant the sphere. There's up. there's nothing. There are no like that that motif isn't repeated anywhere in other hive architecture, even on the dreadnought. The the shrine itself. Yeah. it's well, we talked about the shrine there's, itself. There's the one on the crucible map. Yeah, right. But I mean, like if you if you go to the dreadnought. Yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. But the wires and cables, though, those big hefty cables and things, we do see those. Uh, if you are in near on the, the court, yeah, on the dreadnought, you'll see that oh, yeah, architecture. They too, aren't they? Near the mm-hmm. court of Oryx, you can see that where those where the hive have those the rituals near the uh, the things that to blow up to to halt the weapon in the very first mission. If you go back oh, into that, yes. if you go back into that area every once in a while, the hive are gathered around having a ritual. You can tell by the glowing runes that are everywhere. 
But if you look around that whole area, you'll see like wires and cables and giant pipe looking things. And so that that architecture yeah, comes back into play. Thrown off by the cylindrical tunnel made of some metal or something. Very yeah, but sort of it's it's unhivy, but it's un anything else. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah. So but, and then I use uh, the term. I, I use sorry. the term. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. That's okay. It's no. Too I mean, I, I agree foil. with you. Continue. I have I have <laughs> stared at that that entrance and be like, what is this? What circle? <laughs> yeah, my my wild spin foil on that was that. Uh, well, the hive take influence from killing many other races. It could be a race that we haven't come across yet. The architecture is influenced by hobbits. <laughs> Round doors. If it was a grass hill, maybe, but. <laughs> It's kind of all metal. I guess that's true. I don't know. That was my that was my brief spin for thought last time I was trying to puzzle over it, kinda of going, Well, maybe it was something we haven't encountered yet, because the hive have encountered many, many races. Very true. Well, we know also Vex portals are circular. Vex yeah. gate Vex gates are all circles. And if we could get an actual Vex raid, we could see what their architecture looks like. I mean there's the vault glass. Yeah, that's a Vex raid. Yeah, but the vault, the vault exists independently of That's almost all other Vex right. stuff. It is special. Yeah. Uh, and because I play on Xbox, I can't play the restorative mind strike, so I have no idea what that looks like. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I mean, I broke in there, so I do. <laughs> <Right>. but... <laughs> we have that ghost. <laughs> Never seen it in action. Uh, but from the sound of it, it's not a lot to write home about. Yeah. Uh I was saying I use the word glyph here, and uh, because that comes from King's Fall, and I'll mention that later. Uh, when you step on this plate to start the bridge, the plate symbol, the glyph, is identical to the symbol created when a vestige is summoned by a hive wizard. Uh, we talked about those with Siege of the Warmind, Ritual of Sacrifice, the Awakening. These vestiges appear on the ground and damage guardians who stand inside them. But in this instance, we're using our light to sort of activate the glyph that's on it. Although it's worth mentioning, this is not the symbol that is created on the plate beneath Crota in the Dark Below trailer, which I will uh, link also in the show notes, but we have some notes on that too. And you have a, the sword block is OP. Well, yeah, so <laughs> when you drop into the stills... That was always problematic, especially on hard mode, because yes. the fall will probably kill you. <laughs> if somebody lands on top of yeah, you, it'll definitely kill yeah, you. Yeah, it's like you can you can land, and then the person who jumped in right behind you can land on top of you, and either that impact can kill you, or it can knock you into a rock, and that impact can kill you, or it can just launch you off the cliff that's right behind that <laughs> starting area, and then everybody has to wipe, because it's hard mode and there are no revives. But... Now that we have swords, you can just block, and it's wonderful. It's also worth noting that if somebody is already down in the stills and you're our defender titan and the bridge disappears, you can still make it down to the bottom by using your Ward of Dawn. <laughs> when I was when my brother and I were testing the Thunderdome, I ran down on my Night Stalker, and he was away. He was AFK. When he came back, the bridge was gone. So he ran, jumped, 
sword swinged and then used Twilight Garrison to get out to where he thought it was. <laughs> and then used Ward of Dawn to shoot straight down into the Hellmouth, and he lived. Nice. Uh, he landed right in front of me, and then his two little orbs of light followed him right after. <laughs> the the Ward of Dawn stayed way up at the top of the, the entrance. Awesome. But yeah, you can you can survive without the bridge being there. As long as one other person's down there. Okay, see, I, I've done it before where just the circle at the end will disappear, but the bridge itself is still there. And you can just walk to the end of the Ooh. bridge and jump to where the hole is supposed to be, and you can just fall down there and it'll work. But yeah, I've, I've, never, oh, nice. I've never done it when the whole bridge had despawned. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and I think that also used to be... There used to be a glitch where you could prevent the weight of darkness from happening by having one person down there. Yeah, it was like you had to have someone down there and then have somebody flying in or something. There was some weird thing you had to do, but that's yeah, how they used to because it wouldn't, speed run it. Yeah, it wouldn't load the mechanics until the entire fire team was in there, so if you could run, if you could sprint, like use the shortcuts, you could get there without ever having to use weight of darkness. Yeah, so so that's going to come up a lot. The the other the unofficial theme of Crota's End is cheese. <laughs> Yeah, it's cheese. Every single part of it's, this got cheesed and still gets cheesed. And you can yeah. go in here with people who've been playing since year one, and if you try and do it the quote-unquote official correct way, they'll be like, I've never done it that way before. Yep. It's the moon, and the moon's full of cheese. The moon is way full of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so up to this point, we have mentioned the word the stills a lot. Uh, and if you're a year one guardian, you might be like, what the hell are the stills? And if you're a year two guardian, you don't really care because that's what you know the mass. Uh, so the stills, they're at the bottom of the entrance to the Hellmouth. That whole zone is called the stills. If you're a year one guardian, you probably know it as the abyss. And that is because when the mission updates on your HUD, the next part of Crota's End is traverse the abyss. So everybody just took to calling it the abyss. It wasn't until the Taken King that the area was updated with the name The Stills. Uh, even though it still says Traverse the Abyss uh, when you get the actual mission. So yeah, I thought that was just and an then, odd random change. Well, I think it coincided also with the Grimoire entry for Ghost Fragment Hellmouth 2, uh, which is read by Ariana, and she says... Uh, any hope of raising me died halfway through the stills. So I think they made a, a sweeping effort to rename it. Yeah. Well, well, we'll get there. The Oversoul Throne wasn't always called the Oversoul Throne, right? Correct. Okay, we'll get there, though. Uh, and then we get Weight of Darkness. Hooray! No. No. <laughs> Weight of Darkness is a debuff applied to players in the stills. It stacks up to ten times, first merely slowing your movement speed and eventually removing a guardian's ability to jump and or sprint. This isn't the first time we encounter a mechanic like this. Uh, way back when we first started the Dark Below, we talked about the fight with Sardon, the Fist of Crota. Oh, yeah. And when you approach... When you approach him, you get a dark burden, and that hinders your ability to jump and sprint. But here in the stills, uh, so close to the Oversoul Throne, it is just omnipresent and stacking. Unless you have a Mita. Unless you have a Mita and you're a Blade Dancer and speed. Yeah. Although I wonder how... Can you crouch walk with the uh, Warlock boots now? I don't know. 
and not have it apply. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> well, also I know that the um, that Battle Runner, Battle Runner undoes it because we took uh, Quantiplasm from Wrath of the Machine. And we're using those to shotgun thralls, and you could still just sprint after you shotgun to thrall. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, also, there used to be a glitch that used to cause Weight of Darkness to stack at double the rate, which result in a times 20 uh, debuff of Weight of Darkness, and it made it basically impossible to move. It was like... <laughs> You could not. You could barely take a step forward, uh, and a lot of people thought at the time that, that was going to be the hard mode mechanic. With that, they were going to say, "Haha, it's it's times ten for normal mode. Get ready for times 20. <laughs> but that never happened, which is good. <laughs> it is good. Uh, so it's worth noting here. So you land in, you get weight of darkness starts the second you step off the sort of torchlit platform you're standing on. And there's Thrall everywhere. And for the first time, most people ran this raid. You know, you land, you can hear the Thrall chittering out there. And then you step off that plate. Uh, and suddenly you see, like, Thrall eyes and claws moving around in the darkness. Like, it is pitch black down there. Uh, so this is another cool mechanic. We don't have it written here, but it's it's dark. There's no light down there. Everything is... You can see like five feet in front of you, maybe. Uh, and that is where these lamps come into play. Yeah. So, scattered throughout the stills are lamps. Approaching a lamp will cause it to activate, and standing in the light of an activated lamp will slowly reduce the stacking effect of the Weight of Darkness debuff. Eventually, the lamps will darken and explode, killing guardians if they are too close. Which is always hilarious. Unless it's hard yes. mode. <laughs> but then there's cheese also associated with that. There was cheese. Um, <laughs> the lamps used to the, apply like a physics effect that would launch you as well. And so people had figured out exactly where to stand to get launched at just the right point to skip over whole sections of this. Yeah. <laughs> you jumped right as the lamp exploded. It would just <laughs> slingshot you into the air. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, if you if you're gonna talk about cheese, pretty much just assume that if it was in there, I I. Crota's <laughs> and cheese master. I guess I was the guy. I mean, I was I was soloing all the way through the bridge, uh, just to be able to to farm gear, to to upgrade, you know, upgrade all my armor and and weapons and stuff because it was such a slow process and I had. I didn't. I never had um, multiples of a class. I always had uh, all three, and it it made for such slow progress. So, yep. yeah, I got to the point where um, I couldn't find full raid teams that were either ready or wanted to to even run at the time that I was playing. So, I got to the point where I knew all the I could cheese my way through all the way, just about all the way to Crota at the time, and that was a tough back then. Yeah. Oh yeah, we hadn't well we hadn't talked about it yet, but this is probably a good entry point to talk about that. So this is before infusion, so the drops you got were the drops you got. There was no there was no oh I got it I got this sweet drop, I'm gonna give some other character to infuse. No, there was no, no infusion yeah. uh, when this was happening. <laughs> also, 
And since we're right here at the start of Crota's End, we might as well mention that you know the original Crota's End people sort of they didn't tear through it. It was a good challenge at the time, but the hard mode was so divisive because a lot of the mechanics didn't change. Everything was just given a higher light level than you. Our cap at the time was 32, and it was a struggle to even get to 30. Uh, that's where Forever 29 comes, comes from. <laughs> yeah. And then you land down here in the stills, and the first thrall that attacks you is light level 33, and it's like, okay, this isn't, it's not new, it's just like cheaply overpowered. <laughs> so it was no joke back in the day, this... There's not much you could do. Yeah, like, and that's hard to that's that's hard to explain too, especially if anyone <clears throat> listening is a year two guardian. One a one level difference used to be a massive difference. Yeah, uh, like you huge. can equate a one level difference in year one to essentially like a like a ten light level difference now is a rough yeah. approximation. Like it was a it was a big deal to be one level below an encounter. It was like you were like ten to fifteen percent. At a disadvantage. Yeah, it was like less it was, effective. Yeah, it, was, it was not exciting to be one level no. below. So if we had just come out of sort of like grinding Vault of Glass and, and grinding the normal mode, again, like we're lucky to be, you know, 30, 31, you know, if your luck was really good. But still, if you consider that the first monster you encounter is 33, you know, now we're, that's, that's essentially like a 20 light level discrepancy between you and yeah. the weakest enemy you're going to fight <laughs> with no with no possible way to get there to get above it yeah except beating it which was almost impossible because it was so much more powerful than you yeah those first few weeks of that so, were rough <laughs> yes they were so, well and like, uh, at that time you know they they when you drop down into the stills that you know they've got those i don't know if you mentioned this yet but those those uh was it six rooms off yes. of the, the main part that you could open, and one of those rooms had a chest in it. Mm-hmm. And those were, uh, you, could, you could tell which one had the chest in it because there was actually a light above the door mm-hmm. that would be illuminated. And so it was, it was easy to find the, the one you needed, and if it wasn't close to the entrance, it was tough to get to the, to, the, to the right one. So people would just wipe and respawn and check the first two doors, and if it wasn't there, they'd do it again. And... And uh, that actually had a chance to drop an exotic. So um, before people were even near light level to compete, they could drop in there if they had unlocked that. Yeah. Yeah, although class yep. items at that time were were cosmetic. Um <laughs> The uh, radiant materials, yes. the upgrade materials yeah. for the raid armor, yeah. Radiant energy and radiant shards. <laughs> oh, I love that cloak. <laughs> yeah. And that's something else. That's something else we hadn't talked about. You know, coming out of the Vault of Glass, we had like ascendant shards and oh, ascendant geez. energy yeah. that were required to bring your weapons to ma- and armor to maximum level. And then Crota's End drops and introduces a whole new economy around 
ascendant shards uh, and ascend or radiant, sorry, radiant shards and radiant energy. So suddenly, if you have been stockpiling upgrade materials from the vault, they were worthless. You had to start all over again with these materials. Yes. Hooray, new economy. Yeah, there have been a lot of quality of life <laughs> improvements. <laughs> I always thought it was odd, but this is just a really sort of random note. I always thought it was odd that the Vault of Glass Gear and Basic Legendary Gear used Ascendant materials when Ascendant is such an important word when referring to the Hive. And then the Crotazin yes. Gear used Radiant materials, which doesn't seem to tie to anything. No. But, yes, that other, shows... Other than that, Ariana 3 dying <laughs> down there. <laughs> Radiantly. <laughs> that, that just... Um, before they patched it, I got my first red death out of that chest. Nice. Uh, it was my first level 32 primary, because I hadn't been able to beat uh, Cortezen yet. My my quote about that, where is it? Hang on. Um, one of the doors very easily accessible at the beginning of the lamp run, which led many intrepid guardians loading into Cortezen first thing on a Tuesday and killing themselves until the chest spawned at the nearby door, potentially granting them an exotic for less effort than it takes a Thanatonaut to finish a crossword puzzle. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they patched that like what, like maybe two or three weeks into Dark Below. They they gave that exotic drop to Irute instead of this chest. Right, yeah, but I still yes. uh, ended up with a Gallahorn, a Dragon's Breath, and a whole bunch of other awesome exotics out of it. It was pretty pretty high <laughs> uh, drop rate. It was lucrative. Yeah, considering the relative lack of effort. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I used to go down there just to farm the radiant energy and radiant shards. Yeah finish upgrading all my stuff. Well, so, gear. right, so then that was the other thing, right, was did you have to, It's it's been so long now, when a, when a piece of that armor dropped, did you have to fully upgrade it before it would grant you its full, like, level 32? Well, yeah, because they had all those defense status? nodes that you had to upgrade. Yep. Yeah. They had, it was a totally different so way to, to upgrade weapons <laughs> and, and armor. There were defense, defense nodes and, uh, yeah. What was the other yeah. one? Was uh, power nodes or something like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, power yeah, nodes. So that would that would get your weapons and your armor to their maximum defense. Yeah, because you could you could potentially be in Korda's End, get that exact drop you needed, but you couldn't put it on yet because it might until it was leveled up, it might be less powerful than the other armor you were Correct. wearing. Correct. Than what you were wearing. Yep. yep. Uh, whereas now you get it, and it's whatever level it is, and you can put it on immediately. And it's just better. Yep. Oh, man, it was a struggle. Yeah, because, okay, yeah, you'd get, you'd get the pieces of armor you needed, but you wouldn't have enough radiant materials, so you'd fly down and you'd cheese this chest a hundred times. Not a hundred times, but three times a week. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and hope you got what you needed to be able to. And this is even before, because now you can go to the speaker and trade all this stuff around for what you actually need. Right. That you still need much of it, but couldn't do that before you just had to hope if you if you needed shards you hoped that you pulled shards out of the chest and not energy. now the yeah. now the diehards were deleting characters so that they could farm that yep. chest you know as many times as they could that week which is there's a word for that but i'm not sure what it is i i did have <laughs> I, I ran two warlocks for a while during during this time to be able to upgrade faster. I didn't actually make a defender until like House of Wolves was when I made my Titan. So 
I made actually yeah, I, I made my so I, I was I was I was only warlock. Uh, I made my second warlock um, just to be able to raid more and upgrade and and get gear faster, and then made a hunter because amongst our clan we had like. At that point, I think there were like 75 people in the clan and two people that were adept enough at, at running sword that you could actually kill Crota. And if you didn't have one of those two guys on your team, you could get to Crota and then the team would just wipe for three hours. Yeah, so that's I was another like, huge thing we'll talk about. Uh. Yeah, I was like, so I'm going to make a hunter and I'm going to get one of these guys to teach me how to run sword. Um, <laughs> so he did that. So I have a hunter specifically because of Crota's end. Nice. I have a warlock specifically because of Thorn. <laughs> um, so they also oh did you have something you were adding I was just putting a note in here about the the lovely pits you can fall oh. into because it's so damn dark yeah yeah I mean so so this whole thing is sort of a mad dash right and we sort of talked about the elements but not how they all fit together you're sort of yeah. slowly running you're running as fast as you can across you're traversing this abyss just like the thing says uh, yeah. While being chased by endless amounts of of thrall, and then occasionally cursed thrall, and very occasionally knights, um, and it's, and they are in fact endless. They are, uh, yeah. When I again, my brother and I were testing the Thunderdome strategy down there. I think our total takeaway at the end is we killed a total of like something like forty seven hundred <laughs> thrall. Yeah, they will not stop coming. They will never stop coming. You like, cannot clear the ads. You can only keep moving or fight yeah. them forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and, and like Drop said, it's it's basically pitch black except for right around the lamps, but the ground is also full of holes. Yeah. So until you learned yeah. exactly where all the holes were just from doing it over and over again, you would. You're just sort you're, you're at the mercy of the teammate ahead of you yelling out hole. <laughs> <laughs> or you could turn the gamma up really high on your TV. That's true. And then the darkness didn't matter because you could just see everything. But then if you look directly into a lamp, your whole screen turns white. <laughs> Which happens so. at the end anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, you traverse you traverse this abyss, you shoot a bunch of stuff, eventually there's a plate and a bridge. And uh, you step on the plate. The weird thing about this plate is you only have to step on it once. You don't have to stand on it like all the other plates. You have to be... Well, is that true at the very beginning? Can you step off of that one, or do you have to stand on it until the the initial bridge forms? I think you can you can step off it. I'll, you just need to step on it once. Okay, okay. So it's just at the when you're crossing from the facade that you have to actually actively be on it at all times. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. And this after this final lamp, uh, this plate with the glyph is the exact same as the one up at the top, at the Hellmouth. Okay. So, so I'm going to summon sort of that similar bridge, and that leads us to the the keyhole. It's worth probably discussing at this point as we go. Oh, we have a little status thing here, don't we? Oh, yeah. First Crota Fire Team status update. Like, yeah, we're almost okay. to that, right? Yeah, so we'll do, we'll cover the keyhole in the game. Oh, also, Ghost Fragment Thorn 4 is down here. Yeah, with a big old fat nope right under it. <laughs> in bold. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Rabbit Thorn 4, you can get it from that dead ghost right before the keyhole. Yep, so that card is the Shadow and the Light. That card is a conversation between Dredgen Yor and his ghost. We're not going to talk about it here. Uh, is there a significance to this being found in the stills? 
Maybe. Maybe. But we'll leave that for Dwindler's Ridge. Wait, did you just confirm we're doing that episode? Did Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've got a 10-year oh, okay. plan for this so podcast. So. I got it. <laughs> Look forward to it. Somewhere on the time Destiny 4 comes out, maybe we'll do it. Or maybe not. Yeah. When it's revealed that our character is Dredge and you are. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> it might make more sense than some of the other yeah. paths they've taken with it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, then we reach the keyhole. The keyhole. So there's also a dead ghost down here, which is Ghost Fragment to Hellmouth 2, which we mentioned briefly before. Uh, it introduces the term the stills. But this is a pretty sad card. This is Ariana 3's Reckoning. And Neon is going to read that one for us, too. Fantastic. Yeah. My ghost's light is so dim. There's no point following me further into this fog. Any hope of raising me died halfway through the stills. I only hope she's got strength enough to take this ember to where you fell to dance once more with any last whisper of your own light left on this cursed, broken rock. Again, I will confess. I am Ariana Three of the Praxic Fire, and I know my flame goes out down here. I will burn bright and hot and raise a thousand hive to ash as I go, but I know we will not end him. The one who fell you and hundreds more with that foul blade. I was a fool to lead us here. I was blinded by the loss of so much, by your light extinguished. I put my trust and the light of four others in a madman, and I bear witness to their fall into darkness and death. Tolan's song was nothing but screams, and now we go to sing with them. We will not return. I only hope now that my foolish charge will serve as a record of warning, so that no other guardians go to face this monster and those that serve him, and those beasts beyond imagining that he must serve in the realm I now go forth to die in. That this tiny bit of light joined with yours and sighs, Vel, and poor Omar's, that it might spark a torch of warning to leave this dead and broken moon as Crota's prize. Let the titans on their walls and towers look up at night to this glowing reminder in the sky that your light fell below the surface. Let the moonlight fall on hunters' eyes through the canopies of the wilds and guide the way of warlocks searching their hidden paths. At night, let them look up and see, and let us be mourned. At night, let them remember you, and let the light of the day free them from the curse of this memory. So that gets us to our first, first Crota fire team status fire update. Team. There we go. All right. <laughs> so, I like this idea. So we have Veltarlo, spectacularly dead. Killed by Thrall. Killed by Thrall. <laughs> Worth noting, not killed by Thrall down here in the stills where they're infinite. Oh, yeah, no. Killed by, killed by Thrall up by the entrance to the Temple of yeah, Crota. Been dead for a while. Yeah. Been dead for Didn't even get to jump down the hole. Didn't. Didn't Although even get to I walk guess neither the door. did Saimoda, but 
Well, this brings up a big thing about the first Crota Fire Team and how they got down there because they did obviously didn't jump into the Hellmouth. Right. They, they found their route. yeah. They found their way to the Stills through the Chamber of Night somehow. So that path is not available to us in the game, but that seems how First Crota ended up getting down there. So maybe maybe that was one of Tolan's tricks. Could we be. Don't know. Could be. We've got Ariana 3, short one ghost. Correct. We have Eris Morn, seeking an optometrist. Wow. <laughs> Omar Ga, freshly peeled. Uh, Saimoda, Omnigold. And Toland, mildly amused. Correct. Omar killed by the heart of Crota. Had his light Psy peeled by Omnigold. So, and at this point... And we'll talk about this again, but this, the opening of, and this, this is probably one of the coolest parts of the entire race, especially when you see it for the first time, when the door to the keyhole opens, like those giant pieces slowly start to separate, uh, and the path forward is shown into the keyhole. I think that's like a really cool effect that they have there. The, the door is so massive, you really get a sense that you're headed into some place that is unlike uh, anything you've entered so far. Yeah. And that part's fun. I mean, when the when the that last bridge appears and you get to make that mad dash across it, and there are probably there's probably an ogre shooting at your back because back in those days you weren't really strong enough to kill them all that quickly, and yeah. there was maybe an ogre spawning in front of you and thrall. Yeah, sometimes there's an ogre in the front, <laughs> like magically thrall climbing up the side of that bridge that connects to nothing. Like I don't know where they yeah. come from, but there they are. Um, but they they can fly into like <laughs> But yeah, that was a lot of fun. That that last mad dash across that bridge, I always thought was cool. Yeah, and you could fall through the cracks in that bridge. Yeah, just so you know, you can times. super <laughs> Very, super annoying. especially when you're solo. Yeah, the same thing. The, oh my gosh, yeah. or like yeah, or you're last man standing, you know, kind of hiding out, and everyone else dies. You're like go go go, and you get halfway across the bridge and fall. Like oh. <laughs> that happens so many. I mean. In year one, I was pretty much a blade dancer full time, uh, so it was always me who was making that last mad dash, like run, blink across the bridge twice while you're in midair, hit uh, arc blade, and just fly all the way to the end. You're the only one left. Go, go, go. Yeah, it's probably also worth saying, and we'll I'm sure talk about this again later. This this raid, this entire raid was like the blade dancer's place oh, yeah. to shine. Yeah. I mean, don't don't touch me's in the stills and yeah, running sword at the end. And this is this raid was all about the blade dancer. Yeah, the yeah, ability. The first time I did this raid, it was the first time I got my first set of don't touch me's. So that was pretty cool. Oh, there you go. Just That's got don't perfect. touch me's, and everyone's like, everyone's like, come on this raid, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the stills, I, it was like, ha ha. Awesome. And when I soloed it, when I used to solo it. I would always do blade answer with, you know, Mida, don't touch me, mm-hmm. and then invis with stalker, mm-hmm. and just be, run through the whole the whole first part of visible. Yeah, if it's really the advantage for blade dancers, though, I think that just proves that I'm not really a blade <laughs> dancer at heart. <laughs> Still sucked at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now it's fun. Now you just go down there with, like, six... Uh, Sunbreaker Titan <laughs> and, and just, Dragon's just, Breath. 
and dragon's breath <laughs> or burn. solar grenades and just watch infinite thrall run into your solar grenade and die. Mm-hmm. All right, this brings us to the Oversoul Throne, the facade. Uh, and this is not the official name. The official name is just Oversoul Throne. But uh, a facade is the outside of a church where the main doors are located. Uh, in traditional medieval design, this faced the west and was called the West End. So when you're looking in front of us at the doors to what is essentially the church of Crota here, we are standing in the facade waiting for those doors to open. So that's why I call this the Oversoul Throne Facade. And also falls in line with a lot of the naming schemes from mm-hmm. uh, King's Fall. Well, it's also useful, everybody just sort of, this this encounter coming up right here, everybody calls the bridge. But correct, considering we're talking about all the different bridges, that would be a really confusing way for us to refer to it here. Because we've already talked yes. about and two, as we mentioned. now three bridges, because we're through the keyhole, and we're going to build one here, and yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, th- this wasn't always called the Oversoul Throne, so this was always just called the bridge. Uh, and there's a summoning plate, and this is going to sound familiar, no matter what ear guardian you are. Yeah. <laughs> At the the edge of the chasm on both sides is a plate identical to the one found at the entrance and the one on the keyhole. Its function is likewise similar to pay a toll of light to build the bridge and cross the chasm. Standing on uh, these plates is a second function, triggering the annihilator totems on both sides. If you're a year two guardian and this sounds familiar, it's because we encounter this exact same layout in the Basilica during King's Fall. And the plate that you stand on is also identical to the plate found between the two Annihilator totems in the Basilica. The glyph is the same one found during the Warpriest encounter. And we'll talk about why that is, but it's because all these were created by the same people. But this is a cool callback later in Taken King to this encounter right here. Yeah, it was really so, it was really cool, I thought, when I when we first did the Basilica, um, which everyone just calls totems. Um, <laughs> but we were doing it, and it was like, wait a minute. This is literally just building the bridge in Crota's End with this like round-robin twist yeah, where you have to run back and forth. Otherwise, it's exactly the same. Yeah, you're standing on totems, and you're powering a plate. Okay. And that just made that made completing that encounter in Crota's End a lot easier for the guys I was running with because we'd done Crota a bunch of times together. So it was like, oh, that sort of gave everybody some, some perspective on it. Yeah. So. Kind of like how we just call Vasek the War Priest. Because he's just the War Priest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but. True enough. But all the rage are original. They put a lot of hard work into them. Uh, anyway, Annihilator Totems. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from the Books of Sorrow, uh, verse 4-9. Open your eye. Go into it. Come forth, sister wizards, called Irhalak. We need you. Ir Anuk pulled a star sword out of the sky. Together, the wizards charged it with the killing power and made an Annihilator Totem, which they used to smash the Vex. Which sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we didn't we didn't have this origin when we first did it. We just knew the annihilator of totems would kill you. <laughs> Insta death mechanics. 
Yes. Uh, in King's Fall, we steal the brand of the Unraveler and the brand of the Weaver, which prevents the totems from activating so long as someone with said brand is standing near said totem. After a set time, that power converts into the aura of the Unraveler or the Weaver and grants the Death Singer's power, which is used to power the glyph that activates the runes on the Warpriest's door. <laughs> In the Oversoul Throne, the totems seem to feed off, or at least sated by, a Guardian's Light, which prevents them from triggering while the glyphs are being powered. In the Oversoul Throne, the glyphs trigger bridges, and that's what happens again here. Powering the glyph causes the bridge to span the chasm. A gatekeeper awaits on the far side, so whoever is crossing the bridge needs to bring a Swordbearer's Ascendant Blade with them. So yeah, in, in Crota's Throne World the Annihilator totems are sated sort of by the light of a guardian standing inside them. Uh, and they're activated by somebody trying to create the bridge. And then on the Dreadnought, they're only sated by the brand of the Unraveler or the brand of the Weaver. And then the Glyph is only activated by the Death Singer's power. So. Leave it to Crow to do something different. <laughs> well, Crota does the simpler version, because he's Crota. <laughs> he's simpler. Oh, poor Croat. <laughs> uh, so this is the third and final bridge. Player must stand on the plate to power the glyph. Standing on the plate activates the Annihilator totems. Three players must be engaged in the bridge building at all times, one feeding the plate and two sating the totems. Eventually the bridge is built, the player carrying an ascendant sword from the sword bear who will charge you from the room you're in, uh, is allowed to cross. Once three players are across, they're able to perform the bridge building ritual on the uh, away side of the chasm, freeing up the three remaining home side guardians to gather their swords and cross. Man, this is, if you've never done this before, this is, can be so hectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you're under light. <laughs> yes. This is nuts. And that sword bear just will stomp on you and then the gatekeeper will stomp on you too which which that's always the question how did Toland and Ariana get across it Toland's well tricks. one of Toland's tricks. I mean yeah. we sneak across it during last rites without doing any of this yeah that's true I guess that 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 also then begs the question of what is the normal state of this area is the bridge always down or did they happen to get there and maybe the bridge was up like it is when when we go back later yeah. Um, or, yeah, did Tolan just say some funny sounding words and they just moved? Right into the crystal chamber. Yeah, I mean, it could very well be, be different in kind of its normal state when Crota is around, but since we just got through summoning him and doing some other stuff, it probably wasn't the way it normally was. And then when we go back there in that other mission, uh, which one was it? The... Last Rites. Last yeah. Rites. They were trying to bring him back Last again, Rites. right? Or, or they were... They were no, it was his like funeral. His funeral. Right. So yeah, so definitely different circumstances. Not a funeral. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> a definitely different ceremony. circumstances there as well. So it makes sense that uh, that it's it's you know it's always kind of, of changing yeah. uh, what who's there and what's going on with it and so yeah, and when you're under level, this is hectic, right? It's always a gamble going after that gatekeeper. Yeah. Like you've got to send you send somebody you send like a strong person across first, 
to knock out the first gatekeeper because if you're too weak, that dude will just wreck you. You've got to win the sword fight with him. Because well, it's like you had to hit him with three slams, but he could kill you in two slams or something. Like yep. if you didn't time him yeah. just right to keep him stunned, he would just yeah, just destroy you. Yeah, he's he's no fun. And not that the now he's not that silly. at this point the Galahorn was a requirement, but it definitely made that easier to to bring. Yeah, yes, yeah, for taking out the sword bearer. Yeah, and for crowd control on the other side. Once you're on the away side, right? When yourself. those ogres come out and the wizards, man, <laughs> you were. It's tough stuff. Duck, duck behind that rock. Just stay safe. <laughs> Until the rest of your team gets over there, so they can. Yeah, the first guy across, the first person across, had to Nimble. be pretty, like one of your stronger members, because they had to survive over there. Or, or a blade dancer who could just crouch and go invis. Yeah, or a blade dancer who could just live invisible. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about the glyphs, and then we'll talk about how the, the vast amount of cheese that exists, how nobody knows how to do this. Legi- like, we just described the legitimate version. If you're playing Destiny in 2016, you will not encounter anyone who does this this way. <laughs> Unless you force them to, in which case they'll go, I've never done it like this before. The thing is, I, I don't know how to cross the chasm without the bridge I'm terrible at it they all describe it to me every time and I just can't do it I just die like oh just pull me through but it's like every time it's like can we can we do the bridge this time no <laughs> but I can't cross it and then they're all across it there so it's uh, I can't do it I I'll just quit the fire team and rejoin you guys <laughs> that's like the meta cheese <laughs> uh, we, yeah. just, we, we could just talk about it now uh, yeah there's a lot of ways to get across that chasm without the bridge you can use the sword I, the method I'm most used to is the blink method that uses the pillar on the right uh, just jump, blink swing, blink swing, swing and you should make it all the way across if, you're, if your blinks were high enough you know where to aim it uh, there's all kinds of ways when we three man so for the moments of triumph my fire team three manned the hard mode of this before the light level increase happened and we did it the super cheese way which is you go all the <laughs> way up to the top of the tower on the right yeah <laughs> uh, except that one of chrono could, could never get up there uh, so night would make the jump or I would make the jump across. The other person would go way up at the top and Chrono would just be dead. (laughs) (laughs) And then once that person's up at the very top of that tower, they're no longer considered part of the encounter and it despawns everything. And they can just stand up there with Icebreaker (laughs) and snipe everything. Yes. Yeah, while the person on the away side just hides. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure this led to one of the big reasons, like when they had their pin board of reasons why we shouldn't bring Icebreaker into year two, this was <laughs> right up there. Had to be. Uh, you could also do the same thing with Sunsinger Warlocks. Yeah. Die and wait for everything to despawn and then res again. And then just do it at your leisure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that was interesting was um, they patched this. It used to be so... It's, oh, um, let, let, let's go back to the beginning here. Anyone that's never 
gotten one of these swords that you only have year one reasons to really get doesn't understand that they don't behave the same way as our swords, our guardian's swords do. If you're in the air and you swing this thing, like, the amount of forward momentum that it gave you was just insane, basically. And you can essentially yeah. fly just by swinging the sword in the air. Not forever, but for a very long time. So we're literally talking about jumping up in the air and hitting the right bumper to just swing the sword repeatedly as it just pulled you forward across this expanse. So originally, you could just go straight across. Yep. Uh, later, they added, basically, they added a death wall. Um, yeah, the bane of the swordless. <laughs> and but But then, of course, people figured out that there was a gap in the death wall where the bridge is. Because, <laughs> of course, you have to cross it. So then yep. people just figure out, oh, so all I have to do is just sword fly to where the bridge is and then turn and go through that invisible opening. And people got so good at that. Yep. I mean, I've only done it a, a few times, but it's like there are people who are just like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm over there. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go what? too far, though, we're talking about this like we have to cross the bridge to do something, which we didn't at first. They added that in later, too. Because used to, you could walk into that room before anything started, spawn some enemies, and then run up into the room where the sword bearer spawns, jump up on a chest in the back, hang out there for about five seconds, and everything on your side of the bridge would despawn. You remember that? <laughs> nice. I don't oh, remember man. that one. It was, it was amazing. You could, you'd run up there, and you could just get up on that, that, uh, that crate and crouch down and kind of look out. You could see like a little bitty crack, where there were thrall running around, all of a sudden they'd all crouch down, and poof, they were gone. And then you just run out there and <laughs> just start lighting up the other side, and as soon as you killed everything, the bridge would pop up, you'd get your gear, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, it was... Amazing. It, it was... That was active for a while, um, and that was that was the, the beginning of the, the end. And that's whenever... Um, you could. They were pulling all the uh, the Sunsinger warlocks were doing the the uh, res thing. They could time it where everyone on your team would commit suicide except for your one Sunsinger that had you know res up. And once everyone was dead, he'd commit suicide and wait until you just watch and all the enemies would despawn and he'd rev. Yeah. He'd rev and then yep. just go res everybody. Yep, he'd come back and then you just all stand over there and take <laughs> pot shots at the across the bridge at all the enemies that spawned on that side and once they were all dead then you were free to run across yeah that you can still do that right, on normal. right i mean you could do that on hard though um back then because well, yeah, you just had to have an icebreaker that, that one yeah. guy was just soloing and the glory days of icebreaker and vision of confluence right. and then they made it required yep. that at least one member had to cross the bridge before uh right. before you could before the enemies on the other side would spawn because they would just, as soon yeah. as everyone was clear on one side, it'd spawn them on the other. And now, yeah, and if you did, and once after they did that, you'd have your one guy go over there, and if your one guy managed to die, it would cause a wipe, yeah. right? Yeah, the totems right. would light on the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was that was broken in more ways than one, because, because you could, you know, <laughs> that's whenever you were climbing the tower to get everything to despawn on your side, too, because... It thought all the, the players were out of the map. You know what I mean? Um, 
Yeah, well, this this area of the game is probably like the most like cheese discovered, patched, cheese discovered, patched. I don't think there's any other zone in the game quite like this one that has been readdressed right. so many times because yeah. there's always some new exploit yeah. to be had. I mean, people would spend more time trying to cheese it than it would just to do it legit, and it would get so annoying. Oh, doing it legit right. only it takes a few so minutes. Yeah. Like, can we just do this? No, no, I can, I can climb to the top of the tower. I swear, watch. I'm like, I don't doubt you can do it. Yeah, I don't want to sit here all night, so you can. This this was always one of my favorite things, right? So the the not that we've talked about it on the show yet, but the the vault of glass jumping puzzle taught us that nobody can jump. Yeah, Cortezen taught us that if you can skip an encounter, people will spend hours figuring out how to jump. And then the King's Fall <laughs> uh, uh, tomb ship jumping taught us that no, people really still can't jump. <laughs> just pull me through just pull, just me, pull through. me through <laughs> uh, but yeah let's pour so let's yeah pour that's the shenanigans so let's talk about some of the the oh yeah well, so, so something we kind of maybe uh, glazed over too a little bit was okay. whenever you got out of the stills there was a set loot pool that would drop at that point right it was um, yeah it was what it was yeah. like Boots and man, I don't remember. It was a, but it was a primary weapon. Oh, uh, the yeah. auto rifle. Um, well, hang on though, because because you would get primary weapons when you ran hard mode, and you would get special weapons on uh, easy mode, right? Is that right? Yeah, we have this down at the bottom. Yeah, well, we can wait until the end if we want to. I just didn't know if it'd be worth kind of talking about it as we went through. The different steps of the the raid might, uh, and we'll wait. We can wait. We'll we'll talk about that when we get down there. Ah, it's. I'm sorry. It was over edict from from traversing the from the stills on hard mode, and then abyss, abyss defiant, was after the bridge. So yeah, and then you had a chance for uh, the scout and and hand cannon and the hand Crota. cannon at Crota, but. Yeah, so so I mean, you would. There'd be people waiting for. They knew which. They knew where stuff was going to drop. It made it kind of nice that you knew where you could try for armor if you were looking for that one piece. So you didn't actually have to, you know, go too much farther if you didn't get the piece you needed to be able to, to max out something or, or get get the full set of gear that you wanted. Because after a while, that's what people were just after was just trying to finish up their sets of gear. Right. But then, of course, when they dropped, they were not leveled. (laughs) Right. So they weren't powerful. And then enemies in the raid, there there used to be a policy, right? I guess that's probably the wrong word. But they made a a design decision in both the Vault of Glass and Crota's End that enemies in raids did not contribute experience towards your gear. Yes. So you couldn't just raid and level up your gear. You had to get your gear from the raid and then go do bounties and strikes to level it up. Because you also couldn't just use moats. <laughs> Correct. Life was different. Very. Yes, so. it was. All right. Well, we got across the bridge. <laughs> so where are we going to now? We're going to the, the thrallway. <laughs> what is? What, what, well, hold on. Yeah, so some, in that bridge area, there's there's some oh, some yeah, little points I want to talk about. So the first is the the glyphs. 
So up to this point, we've encountered three glyph plates, each responsible for summoning a bridge. The glyphs are identical to the vestiges summoned by Hive Wizard Magic, as well as the Basilica and the War Priest Chamber and King's Fall. In both those areas and the Oversoul Throne facade, they're all linked to Annihilator totems. This leads to the belief that the glyph itself is of Death Singer origin and not necessarily Crota's origin. Uh... But what about the symbol beneath Crota in the Dark Below trailer? It's not the same as the glyph, nor is it the symbol of Crota. So I did some research on this particular shape and pattern, and I'll, I'll include a link to the trailer so you can take a look at it yourself with a little timestamp. So it does bear, apparently, an uncanny resemblance to what is called a rose window, uh, or a Catherine window, which is a circular stained glass window found in many Gothic cathedrals. Uh, they also, rose windows are also called Natalie windows after St. Natalie of Lou, who is sentenced to be executed on a spiked wheel. Uh, nice. A circular window without tracery, uh, such as are found in many Italian churches, are referred to an ocular window or an oculus. Uh, I highlighted rose window, so go take your dredge in your theories somewhere. Have fun with them. Uh <laughs> And the Oculus, obviously, uh, is the oversoul of the War Priest. We talked about that during our King's Fall episode. Mm-hmm. So the window, that symbol beneath Crota in the trailer, does, you know, bear a little bit of significance, falling with these architectural themes. Another thing worth mentioning, something you only only ever discover in hindsight, you cannot discover this during the raid, but it actually plays an important part in this particular area, are the dimensional locks. Uh, There's a quote here from Ghost. It's a dimensional lock. As long as this turbine is stationary, this place and everything in it exists in only one realm. This must be how Oryx moves between dimensions. Ghost. Well, Ghost, you're wrong because the Hive move between dimensions by slicing holes in them with their swords. But uh, these dimensional locks are the huge pillars found in the back corners uh, where you first appear from the keyhole of the facade. They're only scannable during the Taken King mission Last Rites, and doing so reveals that they're a mechanism for shifting objects in space across dimensions. Nothing further is revealed about the mechanisms in any game text or any dialogues. Uh, we do see these same dimensional locks on the Dreadnought. You, we run past a whole bunch of them after Golgoroth's cellar. You see the same thing. So, you know, hazarding a guess, I'm thinking that these dimensional locks actually align maybe throne worlds to the ascendant realm to our dimension. Because passing through like a keyhole, right? Getting into the ascendant plane is one thing. Getting into a hive throne world is a complete other thing. So these dimensional locks may be what are providing sort of access from our dimension to the ascendant plane, and then from the ascendant plane to the throne world. So it's sort of they're sort of they're the the deadbolts on the ascendant hive houses on ascendant plane road. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't ever done that in last rites, uh, you can go and scan these dimensional locks and get this little detail from Ghost about them. So, arguably, they're keeping uh, the Oversoul Throne locked into either Ascendant Space 
or somehow aligned with our dimension. I look a whole section on cheese. Yeah, but we we covered it pretty we, thoroughly. We pretty much covered all this stuff. All right, and as X-ray said, where does that take us? It takes us to what is commonly referred to as the thrall way. <laughs> uh, so after the door is open, after you've defeated the two ogres, you get your your drops, uh, and now we have to run through the thrall way, which is this harrowing gauntlet of terrible things. <laughs> Before reaching the interior of the Oversoul Throne proper, Guardians must traverse a perilous hallway full of thrall. Uh, a thrall way. Along the way are two invisible walls that block the team's progress until a corresponding shrieker is destroyed. The end of the thrallway is a chest, but the team must get through the doors that guard it before it closes. You've got to speed run the hallway to get there. Uh, back in the days of Xeranaut selling heavy ammo synths, the thrallway was commonly used as a farm for heavy ammo drops because of the infinitely spawning thrall. Uh, and <laughs> not to hate on Veltarlo again, but let's hate on Veltarlo again. Uh, we don't even kill the majority of these thrall. We defeat them by just jumping over <laughs> them. <laughs> nice. Ouch. Uh, like the post-patch chest from the stills, this chest contains only radiant materials. Uh, this hallway is the first time we encounter a difference in hard mode mechanics from normal mode. Uh, in hard mode, the shriekers will respawn, and in normal mode, they will not. I've never been happy with the fact that those walls were invisible. It just doesn't make sense. They should have had... S- it's a mechanic we've... Never seen before and never see anywhere else. Right. Well, except it's it's at Air U. Oh, the walls that... But, I mean, but they're kind of like glass no... walls between her before... I mean, it makes it makes sense in that room because, you know, the, the, the walls there, you see them disappear. You can see them kind of... of they sort of flash. Yeah, yeah like, it, like, yeah. like I said, that room's like somehow enclosed. Whereas here, it's just an invisible thing. They should have had like some type of mesh or some. I mean, if they didn't want it, if they wanted you to see the distance you had to go, then yeah, make it something you can see through, like a, like a mesh wall or, or, or like you know, like kind of a wiry gate or something like that that would, would burn Even up. Just or, a, like an energy effect at the edges. or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It just, it's just so, so you strange. You could see it was a thing there. Yeah. So and the and the I reason know. I never looked at it. I only ever just yelled at my teammates to shoot the shriekers because I was the one running. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you would hit the wall and you're like, oh come on, why isn't this? Why haven't you dead? killed the shrieker yet? <laughs> well and well yeah, like if you pop pop blade dance and you're you're sailing above everything yeah. and then you hit this invisible <laughs> wall and you're just like blade dancing in in place. <laughs> now back on the heavy ammo farming, um, I mean mm-hmm. we know that there was like the the infamous drought of heavy uh from Zur back in the in those days do we was that ever i mean i know it was addressed but did they ever say what happened was it was no, it just they just took heavy ammo out of his out of his pool like whatever completely now yeah. before that though put it back. was heavy ammo always there or was it random at the very beginning i don't remember see i thought that was what it was was that heavy ammo was there sometimes but like it just wasn't there for a long time. I didn't think it was out of the loop. I thought it was like bad RNG or something like that, because that's what they always claimed was they didn't have any control over what Zer sold. Yeah, and well, Mega Man proved that shit, uh, that stuff wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but you know what I'm saying oh, though. I Mega thought, Man. yeah, um, 
which but that popularized the heavy ammo glitch <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yes, that did. was we should probably and hold another off. reason to to get icebreaker out of people's hands we should yeah let's let's <laughs> wait to talk about that one until we get up there to to uh yeah just it was even crota. more popular at crota so <laughs> right that's, we'll that. that's yeah. where you needed it but and so this was this was a fun part because just the it was hectic and it it wasn't very long to get through the hallway, but you had to do it fast enough to make it to that chest you mentioned drop before those doors mm-hmm. closed. Yep. And that was that was a big deal. That was a huge deal because we go back to the whole economy thing where you needed those materials and that chest always had the materials in it. So if you weren't gonna make it, you better put on the brakes and say, Nope, we're not gonna make it, let's redo yeah, it because you only had one chance. <laughs> And if you made it past that, what was it? If you made it into that circular room and the doors were closed, they weren't opening back up. Yeah, they don't open again. So even if, and I forget though, even if you went back there on that same character and replayed the raid, that chest wasn't there, right? That I don't know. I'm, I, that I'm not sure. I thought, it, I thought it was, I'll have to look that up. But, but yeah, that was, that was something else, man. And there were... There were times when I got I would get smashed by those doors closing on me. That's how close it used to be. <laughs> I mean, it was it was fun though. Yeah, Arcblade. And again, like Arcblade was recently nerfed to take up so much more power when you're using it in the air and not hitting anything. But you meant Mask of the Third Man and yeah. uh I mean, Encore didn't matter because you weren't killing things, but with Mask of the Third Man, you could, you know, you run, you blink, uh, and you pop arc blade, and then you just sail across the whole top of this. And if your team's quick taking out those shriekers, you've got a clear path all the way to that door. Blade dancer speed was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on hard mode, the shriekers came back, and they brought their little invisible walls with them, and that was terrible. <laughs> just a little more timing, you know, had to had to be done. So, yeah. All right, and then we drop down a hole, and then we're really in the Oversoul Throne. We're at the the entrance to sort of this shrine, this inner sanctum of Crota. This is where I taught more guardians that you could commit suicide in that water by shooting yourself in oh, the foot. Oh, yeah, shoot your foot. Than anything, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. work anymore. That was, and that people were, how did you know about that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I, someone told me, and they told two friends, and, you know, whatever. But well, my favorite thing about that, though, was you would get people down there who'd never been there before, and they didn't know about how that worked, and you'd be like, okay, here's what we have to do. Everybody get out your <laughs> shotgun. Okay, now look straight down in the water, and on the count of three, everyone fire your shotgun, and the whole team just kills themselves. It's like, <laughs> just a mess Amazing. of people. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great, man. Some of those, those little tricks and stuff were, were fun. I was disappointed they patched that. That was it. Didn't hurt the game, and it was it was kind of neat. It to, was useful sometimes. It was absolutely saved a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and there's not, I don't know, in the in the raids you could do that. There was like, there was water near the chest, the exotic chest in Vault of Glass. Yeah, that you could wipe with. Gorgon's Labyrinth. Uh-huh. There's, there's a little L- creek. Yep, exactly. That, but. Anyway, and how many how many people died just falling down that little hole? It didn't seem like it was that far to drop. I know, but it, it was it sense. was deadly. It was I mean it was no it was it was so weird because it's it was like, like right on the line. So it was like if you jumped 
at all, you were going to die unless you double jump. But if you right. just jumped straight down. Yeah. But if you walked off of it and just fell down, you might just hurt your knees a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was definitely definitely fun times back then. Yes. All right, do we want to cover your ute and then stop it there? It's either that or wrap mm-hmm. it up now and do ear ute, crota, and gear for the next one. Yeah, we could. Do, I mean, we could do it either way. I'm fine with either. Yeah, we're only we're about probably hour. We're probably right about two hours. I bet. Uh, we had that little break. Yeah. So, yeah, close to two. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let's blast through ear ute. Right. We'll leave it with that. And then you can close the show with the death song from the soundtrack. <laughs> yes. All right. The Oversoul Throne. Ear Ute. Good quote here. I am dead. Toll in the show. <laughs> uh, Grimoire. Ear Ute. The Death Singer. From my favorite person. Ariana. Let's sing. Sing with me. No, no, you rattling machine. Not yet. It's too soon. We don't know the words. We'll learn the song down there. We can learn it from her. She comes up from the deep, dark place where the greater hive await to sing it to us. And here's a puzzle for you. The song is death. To hear it is to die. To know the words is mortal. Oh, good point, Ariana. Death is just a word, isn't it? A catch-all term for the failure to go on. Nothing spiritual. Nothing with its own quiddity. We all died once, and it did not prove insurmountable. But what if, what if, what if, shh, listen, what if death were refiled, described in its totality, made autonomous and universal, separate from any context or condition? What if she could invoke the ending of anything? How, then, would she know the song and sing it without herself dying? Perhaps they know a way to make themselves part of the song, part of something vast and burning that rots and peels into ash, but never ends. Perhaps she has engineered this for him and pinned his power up against the quiddity of death itself. I am so terribly curious to know. That, of course, is Toland uh, being awesome. <laughs> And it's this card here that lent, originally lent to this idea that Toland is sort of dragging Ariana along with him to offer to Iriute as sort of his tribute. Uh, and that the opening line, let's sing, sing with me, uh, no, no, you rattling machine, not yet, it's too soon, refers to sun singing. And he doesn't, he doesn't want Ariana to... Uh, to flame out just yet, he needs he needs her. He needs to offer her. Uh, alternatively, he could have just been aware that she was in the stills and on fire, killing everything down there in the stills uh, with her solar radiance, and then just burning herself out. So, personally, I like the idea that he dragged her along and offered her up. Yeah, it seems that way because that's what he does. <laughs> He's he's making an omelet. She's it. <laughs> an, as, an ascendant raisin omelet. Uh, 
So after dropping down into the hole at the end of the throwaway, the only way to go is up the stairs and into the final room, where this is the final arena, the Oversoul Throne. Full of enemies, and before long, Ir Ute will begin her song. Uh, she is in a central room, uh, sort of floating around a giant ascendant crystal, shielded from guardians on all sides. With her are two wizards. The wizards have to be baited out on each side, and like the throwaway, destroy the shriekers to allow guardians to breach Ir Ute's safe room. Uh, if she is not killed quickly enough, uh, she will bring her liturgy to a close, which kills everybody there. When she is dead, though, the team must clear additional enemies that continue to spawn for some, some hopeless reason. Eventually, the loot drop happens, signifying the end of your encounter. At this point, you come up with the last few stragglers and make your way, uh, your preparations for Crota. So, this is where we encounter another hard mode mechanic. So, normally, I think, believe you have three minutes for the Liturgy of Ruin, which is her song. Yeah. Uh, and then on hard mode, it's only two minutes, I think. And the usual strategy is to let it get to the last 30 seconds and then just rush her down. Yeah. So. <laughs> so this is... This was not... This was tough. This Again, was hard. Back in the day, back in the day, this was really hard. Now now you laugh your way in there and kill her with one Nova Bomb. But... Yeah. But, yeah, when this was new... Or one hit from Ray's Light. <laughs> yeah, back, back in the days before Tether... <laughs> yeah, you couldn't. Uh, yeah, it was Gallarhorn. Everything was Gallarhorn. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is this was this boss was one of the reasons why people said, "Hey, you want to come to raid with us? You have to have Gallarhorn." Yeah. Because the only way to burn you down quickly enough was with Gallarhorn. There was no Celestial Nighthawk. You know, like you said, there was no Tether. Uh, there was no hammers. There was no Storm Trance. Like it was. Yeah, because it's not just her. There's this crowd of enemies, and the the three new subclass supers are so much better at crowd control that yes. even just that makes this infinitely easier. They take away the additional light levels and all that. Just being able to control that many ads is so much easier now. At the time, you were just sort of waiting in there and hoping that enough Sword Knights didn't hit you before you were able to get a few rockets into Ir Ute so that she would die. Well, I want to, and I want to make a little or it correction. Was a one-way trip. Yeah. Um, you know, you said when she dies, uh, loot would, you know, the loot would drop, but it wouldn't. You killed her, and you had to get the hell out of there as quick as you could because then you had to kill all the. Uh, yeah, all those waves, all of, those waves enemies. of enemies before it would drop. That's so, what it says. Once she's dead, the team must clear additional enemies and oh. continue to spawn. Eventually, the loot drop happens. Oh, okay, my bad. I thought you said that <laughs> happened. My, I'm sorry. Um, no, what was good. great about that was, you know, you needed, you know, it, it would take a while to clear those enemies because they were tough. And yeah, a bunch yeah, of yellow oh, yeah, bars, knights, yellow bar knights. And uh, yeah, if I was, if I had stuff to do or didn't really want to sit there and plug away at those, I'd accidentally die, and then leave <laughs> like the one guy to sit there and, <laughs> and take care of them all. But that well, was the thing. Yeah. The more people you had, the better. But if you really want to screw with somebody, you could. Have everyone kill themselves and just leave the one guy because if he didn't, if he didn't clear it to the point of the loot drop, and you had to do it again. And this was another point where after everybody had used their required Gallahorns to kill their Ute, you retreated up to this tower, and everyone switched to their also required icebreakers, icebreakers, and just killed yeah. everything from from perfect safety. 
Yeah, you climb up into the dimensional lock towers. But it was crazy. This took forever. Like, when we three-manned it, it really took forever. (laughs) Killing all these stupid knights. Uh, And, like, you could... So many things could go wrong here that just made this awful. You could run into the room. You could jump up on top of the door frames so you'd be out of range of the sword knights. But then you used Gallarhorn, you had to hope that Grenades and Horseshoes wasn't going to trigger and blow you up. (laughs) So many Grenades and Horseshoes deaths here. Yeah. Or that Irayut wasn't going to swing around the crystal towards you, which caused your rocket to detonate early and also kill (laughs) you. Like, so there's so much that could go wrong here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And now, you know, now it's... You know, one person goes left, you throw a, a magnetic grenade on the Shrieker, and you raise lighter the wizard, you know, and the other side is uh, t- one Nighthawk golden gun kills the wizard, and a trip mine kills the Shrieker. But, yeah, back in the day. And then, you know, like X-Ray just said, if you were, not everybody was getting out of this alive. Like, you'd be, if you had six people still alive at the end of this, your team was, like, god-tier team. Yeah. You're lucky. It was usually like you're lucky two or three. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, that's all you could do was just ice break because mm-hmm. there was no way to kill all those things. Oh god, and there's so many of them. Stand up at the top and throw grenades straight down until they all die. No <laughs> thanks. Uh, well, yeah, there's a yeah, there's a so dead ghost in there that was added with Taken King. Right? Yes, that had the Hellmouth. Ghost Fragment, the Hellmouth. Which is also Tolan speaking. Yes, it is. There's yeah, our boy he gives Tolan us there. our fire team update for us. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, here we yeah, go. Does. Uh, <laughs> Vel is spectacularly dead. Omar and Sai are quite dead too. Ariana. Poor Ariana. She was so very bright at the end, wasn't she? A brave light. But Crota is unmoved. That shadow is detached from its source. <clears throat> light makes it darker. I could feel his presence, and if I still had a ghost, I'm sure it would have screamed. I, too, am detached from my source. The charming Iriute made her introductions, and I was very pleased to meet her. We had a conversation. This little Tetayute, a couple old wizards exchanging definitions. I defined myself as a friend. She defined for me the quiddity of death, and she sang this, the song of that fearful autonomy. Revelation, my friends, it goes down hard. The definition killed me. The killing redefined me. This is the shape and the point of the tooth. Nothing has ever lived that will not die. Now I fly between green-black suns in the labyrinth beyond Crota's god star. This is the overworld, the sea of screams, where the throne universes of the great hive fester in eternal majesty. I move among them. I map the shapes and connections of this world. I want to appear in the tower and taunt them. Lo, lo, I never sleep. I dance in light and shadow. I never sleep. I will never die. I will never die. I want to ask them, if you followed your laws here to this trembling, fearful place, of what use were those laws? But I have work to do. I shout into the deep places. Osiris, I call. Osiris, Osiris, can you hear me? Sometimes I think he answers. Sometimes I wonder what became of Eris. She was so very tenacious. For the first time, I am lonely. 
talked about that line during our Toland episode, the low, low, I never sleep, I dance in light and shadow, which is uh, Cormac McCarthy, which is a huge influence on the Hive lore and Toland himself. Uh, for the full breakdown of that, we went pretty deep into that, so feel free to pick up the Toland episode where you can hear me talk more about how much I'm in having a man crush on him. Uh, <laughs> But this is what happened after Toland uh, met with Iriut. So he he understood that hearing the song is different from making yourself part of the song. So that is what he did. He changed his own definition uh, and was redefined, which is we know that the definition of a thing is huge in hive lore. It's the way to bring people back from the dead it's how the oryx brought his sisters back through stark definition and embodiment of their actions it's how uh jivu arath brought oryx back uh, by defining him so intimately and the same thing happened here so the the definition iryut's definition killed him but in redefining himself he and this is a super interesting part of Tolan's story here is like, how did he redefine himself or how was he redefined to the point where the death is what defined him? So he sort of becomes ascendant through defining himself so explicitly. Uh, and yeah, and now he's flying around the ascendant plane because that's what he does. Yeah, uh, watching And of course that did. line... Yep, and smuggling back Nightmare Arcana and doing all kinds of good things for us. Good things. You know why? You, you know why we're able to defeat Oryx? Because Tolan's out there helping us. Out. <laughs> I love this this third the third to last line about shouting for Osiris. Uh, we've mentioned many times before that Toland and Osiris were contemporaries, and that Toland looked up to Osiris, and that they may have known more about each other's sort of studies and investigations then the text will lead us to believe uh, but once again if Osiris knew that the Vex gate networks were connected to the Hive Ascendant plane in some way and he's exploring that angle now we have Toland on this side on the Ascendant plane hoping to call back out to Osiris so. and we also don't know what Toland managed to get back to Osiris from the Ascendant Plane. We know Osiris was a part of the Taken King uh, meeting with Queen Marasov and, and Eris being there and, you know, maybe Toland was helping guide Osiris or providing him with information relevant to whatever their secret plan was there. So there we go. Yeah, I'm going to let I'm going to let Gavel read the first Crota Fireteam status update. <laughs> Let's see. Lavelle, well, still spectacularly dead. Uh, Ariana 3, Death Singer Bait. Uh, we've got Eris morosely singing Whispers in the Dark. <laughs> That's a Mumford and Sons song. <laughs> that you managed to connect to Dregjin. Okay, are. so the, the lyric is Despite the lies that you're making, your love is mine for the taking. My love is just waiting to turn your tears to roses. Roses. 
turn your roses into thorns. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mumford and Sons knew it all. <laughs> they were there the whole time. <laughs> Omar is notably less fresh. And Simona has caught a fatal case of tinnitus. Oh, and Toland is ascendant. Minor detail. Minor detail. Minor detail. He's a unique ascendant being. Yeah. We had a great conversation earlier today about whether or not Toland would step into Phil Oryx's shoes. Uh, my firm, my firm belief is no, because power is not what he seeks. He seeks knowledge and understanding. But then I made a case for it, saying, like if you are like an INTJ personality type bent. Uh, you don't like being the person in charge, but then when you understand that there's nobody better for the position, you will do it begrudgingly. So I can totally see Toland being like, <laughs> oh, God, fine. You don't un- you don't understand how much chaos is going to happen by you not doing this. So I will do it because there's I'm the best person for this. Uh, and this idea, this question was originally like, why would the hive follow Toland? Uh, he couldn't just like step and be like, hey, I'm the new boss. Hi. Uh, but it sort of spiraled into this really interesting conversation about Toland represents someone who went to the darkness from the light and has a unique power because of it. He's ascendant. He has access to the ascendant realm. He, I mean, whether or not he could create his own throne is is up in the air. But he does all this without a worm. He didn't ever have to make this devil's bargain that the hive had to make to get their power. So there's a possibility that the hive would look up to him and say, hey, if he came to the dark from the light and has this power without this horrible worm thing, can we make it to the light from the darkness and be the same way? Can we get the power he has without being tied to these worms. I mean, it presents a strong case for a cult of hive that would follow Toland because of what he represents. So, Which would be pretty cool. Yeah. Complete and utter spinfoil, by the way. But the hive aren't dumb. They're not just like a horde of zombies. Like there's a, there's a, a civilization and a culture there uh, around sort of this worship, not worship of the light, but worship of the dark and the death of the light that goes to it, but they've never known any other path. They've never been shown any other path. Well, they were and they were given sudden, the choice to follow this path or be destroyed. True. So. Yeah. It's not really a choice. Yeah. Really. Right. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so. Like you know, and I wonder. Culture. Yeah. Well, I wonder, like. <laughs> so when when the new when brand new hive are hatched, right? They're fresh out of their death singer or whatever, their brood mother. That's horrible. Uh, I don't think about that. <laughs> like, are they as, like, little, tiny, cute, adorable baby hive? Like, oh, are they, like, given a worm immediately? Like, here, stick this in you. You will be coming with us. My worm. It is in you. Yeah. But what if you took well, one of those little baby hive and didn't stick a, a worm in it yeah. and just ran away with what it? What do you end up with? Like, well, what? what's... What's the earliest stage of Hive we know of? Wasn't there something that describes it about before the Thrall? Well, there's a cocoon phase. You can see those on the moon. There's already, like, worms in them from the start? 
It's possible. I mean, we don't know if a hive broodmother like spews out baby hive with worms already attached. Like, does a broodmother's worm make little worms that attach themselves to the little hive as they're being born? We don't really know. Gross. Well, it's because it's, <laughs> it's the wor- the worms spawn that they're putting in the hive, isn't it? Yes. So, surely, like, I don't I don't know how all this works. I don't know how the hive reproduce exactly, but surely with the the worm in them making more little worm spawns to go into future hive, they would just be in there straight away. Well, it's like, 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 so the question, like, so imagine it's Futurama and there's a pregnant lady with a brain slug on her head. If she gives birth, does the baby also have a brain slug, like a baby brain slug? Or do you have to take the baby and put a brain slug on it? If you don't um, know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. No, but now I want some slurm. <laughs> Thirsty. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think about this while also trying not to think about this. <laughs> it's really hard. Well, I guess it would, it would require, and maybe there's somebody out there who has a better understanding of like biology, right? So if if one organism is paired up with the, a symbiote, if a host and a symbiote, when the host reproduces, can the symbiote reproduce through the host? Uh, we don't. I don't like. I don't. I took AP biology in high school, and that was the last <laughs> I did of it. So, but I'm sure some. I'm sure like we'll release this episode and cosmology from our slack chat would be like oh guess what i have a master's in biology and i can answer that question (laughs) (laughs) well could it be something like if you have like a a a parasite inside you and i like you were to a a mother were to give birth could the, the baby could also have the parasite if it's like in the bloodstream or whatever right so like if you had a tapeworm it could be something like that because it's not like it's an external thing it's yeah I don't know. I, it could. It could. I, that's just what I'm thinking. Is that if the the worm is like a parasite inside the the hive sort of thing, feeding yeah. off not body so much, but it's that sort of thing, then the worm could spawn uh, and af- infect the future spawn of the broodmother. Then I, I don't know. I'm just, how, how do I explain this in, in a way that's less gross? I don't know. Now I'm reading the Wikipedia entry on tapeworm infection, and I'm, I don't. I just ate garlic noodles with beef, and I feel horrible. <laughs> Gross. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if if it doesn't. It's not pointed out quickly in this article whether or not you can pass on something like a tapeworm to an infant. But you know, yeah, maybe it's possible. It happens with the hive. Oh, there you go. I found that Grimoire card I was looking for, which is the one that describes the life cycle. Oh, there you go. It's just the spawn. Mothered oh. wizard gets fertility from a mate or from herself. Good on her. From mm. the wizard, the spawn. From the spawn, our thrall. From the survivors, our acolytes who contend. If they contend well, their worm is fed. And from the well-fed worm come knights and wizards and princes. So it just sounds like they've got worms to start with. It just says they're worm. Like, as if it was a thing that was always present. You don't, you don't like to imagine like an entire, like a an infant wing at a hospital, but all the little tiny cribs are baby hive, and then like one broodmother walks around and drops one worm onto each of them. I bet it makes a or squishy sound. Like a bottle. 
or feeds him like a it's like a it's like a tequila bottle with a worm at the bottom. Oh. I was thinking like a baby bottle, but you know, <laughs> feed babies tequila. That's fine too. <laughs> Get drunk, hive babies, and enjoy your worm. Uh, no. Maybe it's like a little. Okay, no, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna go. Okay, no more thoughts about this. <laughs> so that's an important part of hive biology. We don't know uh, whether the worm comes from the brood mother or whether or not it's something that happens after the fact. Yeah. But hey, maybe maybe a brood mother could look at Tolan and say, "I don't want my spawn to have worms. Like, how can help me prevent this from happening?" Like a pure hive race without their worms. Oh, what is the um? There's there are those little there were those worms, the little baby worm things on the dreadnought That's that you can bugs. scan. Yep. But I can't remember what Ghost says about them or if it. Something like it either feeds them or something like that. Yeah. So maybe that's not a worm worm. I don't remember. Yeah, those it things was, it are was weird. important somehow. So something like there's something in the worms here that feeds them or. Use it in their breeding. I can't remember. So maybe that's it. Maybe they. Maybe that's they just bottle-fed worms. Yeah. Let's look into it. That's oh, yeah. that's when you scan. Yeah, when you scan the little worms. That's before yeah. you shoot them, because I always shoot them. Yeah. According to the world's grave, the hive ingest those worms not for sustenance but survival. Spores, moths, and worms—all things Earth's ancestors believed grew from the dead. Just a thought. Which one was that? Yeah. Was that when you scanned the worms? That's when you scanned the worm. What about the one where you scan the the tank in that other oh, area? Oh, that's a different. The... That's a totally different one. The scanning that tank uh, is taken with worms. Hmm. Yeah, there's, that's yeah, a... there's the one in that in that room off the thrall tunnels. Off the. Th- Oh, that no, that one's about. Uh, is that oh, the hive like mark for in- sacrifice? Is the one up on the trenchway though? I think. No, it's it's off the hull breach, and you go through the little thrall tunnels. There's one of the special chests in there, and you continue yeah. through the thrall tunnels into a room, and there's one of those sort of siloy tank things lying on its side, and you can scan it. And I don't remember what the ghost says. There's also a fragment in there. Yeah, the ghost scan I'm thinking of is the one in the hull breach directly underneath where you first spawn in. Do they have do they have ghost scans on Ishtar? Ah, uh, there's there's transcripts for certain scans, but not all of them. Hmm. How are they named? Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It should be hard to find out. Let's see. <laughs> here you go. Here's a here is a live reading. Uh, the one you're talking about in the little hallways is another soul confined in crystal. I thought only Ascendant Hive bore the honor of being trapped in rock for centuries, but this is a lesser hive. Must have been a hard worker. That doesn't seem right, because I thought it was one of those silo container things. No, that that tank you're thinking of is directly underneath where you spawn in the hull breach. No, it's, it's over near the... No, it's not. So where, where does it find? I'm gonna go look next time I go get, on Destiny. Get go get go on that dreadnought right now! I guarantee you. <laughs> hmm. okay. Then the one in the oh, trenchway. <laughs> there's one in the trenchway that's only active during regicide, uh, where you follow the invisible things all the way up around the. So when you first enter the trenchway, on the right 
is the entranceway to where the the Oryx fight is directly in front of you uh, is how you get into the Dreadnought itself. But if you cross the Chasm, run all the way to the left, there's new platforms that spawn. There's a room way up in that top corner. Uh, and when you scan that one, Ghost says, The soul of a hive is sleeping inside. The disciples of Osiris believe Ascendant Hive can re be reborn in our realm when the time is right and with the sacrifice of lesser hive souls. This one is marked for sacrifice. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think I've been up there. Yeah, I love that scan. That's one of the reasons why I hang out and uh, I play Regicide a lot, just because there's so much cool stuff you can do during that mission. Was that the other one's not here? I will go and scan it and deliver that transcript to Ishtar later today. Hmm. Cool. I'm really determined to. Let's see. Oh. Now I can only think of adorable baby like a baby hive must be really adorable. It makes me think of that Crota and Oryx video, man. <laughs> oh, the feels. Yeah, when he's a little tiny baby. Uh -huh, I found the, I found the one I'm thinking of. I think. Oh, all right. Um, he says. Uh, some believe the worms feed from these, though I've heard it said that hive worms are born of pure darkness and therefore strangers to the merits of digestion. I knew it was something to do with feeding. Oh, that's the fallen, that's the tank that's on its side. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. There you go. Sorry, it wasn't even that important. I just remember it was something to do with feeding and I couldn't remember what it was and my curiosity would not be sated until I found it. Yes, okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, the other one, the one directly underneath where you spawn in in the hall breach is about uh, Taken receiving worms because obviously some Taken are not hive in origin and therefore would not have them. So, And then Ghost is like, a Taken worm? I don't even want to think about the possibilities. Also, I found a Reddit post which is a list of all the scannable items and what it says. Yeah, which is great. Go. Nice. <laughs> God, get your act together, Ishtar. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah huge props to baxter and co for having all that uh festival of the lost stuff up super quick oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well wow Okay, so we're gonna we'll save Crota and drops and all that stuff and weapons of sorrow, which we had a big conversation about today in the Slack chat, for the next episode. Yeah. And I see the next episode contains the word crotation, and I hate whoever wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong <Yeah>, with crotation? <laughs> During a leftward crotation. <laughs> that'll be <laughs> that'll be a good one though, because I mean, all the different. Uh, strategies that the, that encounter went through was just amazing, especially and cheeses and cheeses. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but it was you never knew. Like for me at that time, I was doing a lot of LFG runs, and I would never be the guy to say, "Okay, we're going to do it this way." I would just wait for them to tell me which way to do it. And I mean, oh my gosh, there were so many different ways that people had come up with, and it was crazy. I mean, for the for the different, you know, because it gets yeah, it gets, it gets pretty hairy when the ogres and hectic. yeah, when the ogres start spawning. And I haven't seen an ogre spawn in that thing in over a year, 
just because it never gets that far. It's only like two swords and he's done or one sword anymore. Yeah, now it's so fast. All right, but we'll save that for next time. We'll talk about hiding and shooting and then all chalices of light. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that thing too. Man. Yeah. 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 So that'll be be a good episode. So, All right. Well. um, And then people who didn't play in year one, maybe you'll know what we're talking about from the Thalnok encounter. But from what I've seen at the Thalnok encounter, people have no idea what they're doing. Oh, they do not. So. It's it's. Uh, <laughs> I I. It's I'm to the point now. It's like, I just pray that I can grab the sword before somebody else does because they don't have any idea what to do with it. That's what I do. I take a sidearm and I hide. Well, I stand underneath the Thalnok platform, and the second the sword bearer appears, just lay into him with a sidearm, and because you hit him so many times, he usually will just turn and rush you down, and then you just take him out underneath and the sword drops at your feet and you go up the back side of the platform, but like, I, I hate leaving it, leaving anybody else to pick up that sword is like asking for a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then you gotta just pray that they know what they're doing as far as knocking, knocking his shield down. Otherwise you gotta, no otherwise way. you gotta you, drop the sword, hit him with a rocket, and yeah. then pick it back up and Oh, I dropped the sword and then I hit him with bolt caster. <laughs> that works. But fun stuff. All right. Well, in the meantime, everybody can send us their favorite crota strategies. Yeah. And tell us whether we'll or not they approve of the word crotation. Mm. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's crotating <laughs> left. That's one for disapprove. I like when he would run. Right. I like my favorite was when he would run inside the, the crystal room. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was so amazing. Everybody would freak out. Like when, oh, it was great. Like when Thalnok just runs down the stairs into the middle of the Court of Orcs. Oh, yeah. Just starts cleaning I've, house. You're not supposed to do this. Yeah, I've seen Crota jump <laughs> off the platform and jump down in the ogre room before, too. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's amazing. I've seen that. I've seen that. It's like you're, you're, you get oh. up there and sword him a few times and jump down, and he's just dead just set on killing mad. that sword. That whoever on your team had that sword, and he'll chase him down. It was, it was amazing. All right, we'll talk about these hilarious stories next time. Yeah, and in the meantime, go check out our website, destinyghoststories.com. There you can find episodes and, oh, a link to our store on Represent that has our limited run of the the shirt that Jared B. made, um, along with our current run of, of shirts and other stuff, jackets, sweatshirts, and... Yeah, don't forget about uh, if you don't have that Iron Gallerwing or Gallahorn uh, on Xbox, make sure and, and let us know and leave us a tag or yeah. subject line in a, in a message uh, for DGS Iron Stuff so you can get a chance to win that and get your, your very own, uh, what can we call this? I guess the, uh, the, the Procrastinator's Gallahorn. They didn't, they didn't <laughs> sure. pre-order um, should make people send us their gamer tag too, so we can check their account to make sure they don't have it. Already. That'd be good. Yeah, include your gamer tag because uh, we want someone to have to get this. That's gonna that wants it, and needs it, and, and is gonna use it. Not that they're gonna say, "Oh, my buddy needs it. See if I can win this for him." Tell your buddy they got to listen to the podcast and enter themselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, do that, and we will come back next time with uh, some more info about 
Crota's the end of Crota. The end of Crota's end. end And 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 before we go, extra special thanks to Neon Bath for reading as Ariana three for us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Always awesome. Yeah, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of people ask, especially with uh, with the way some of the the new Grimoire came out as conversations. I think when people saw that, they're like, "Oh, we better let uh, let people know that I'm interested in reading." If they're going to do another episode like we did for the Ghost Fragment Vex stuff, mm-hmm. that was pretty popular, I guess, because a lot of people want to hear more of that and want to get involved and, and be some voices for us. So, uh, nice. yeah, we need yeah, to do that. We will we will do that. If you want to get involved with that, let us know. Send us send us some audio, I guess, as kind of a sample, and uh, we'll kind of pick some people and maybe try to get some of that stuff going. Uh, because the, the some of the new Grimoire conversations are, are pretty fun, especially the ones related to uh, the Crucible maps. There's some some neat yes. conversations there, yeah. and I heard that there's a lot of Crucible information there that we might need to cover in the near future. So seems like it. That wasn't a hint, or was it? So, <laughs> well, based on your based on your facial tics, I would say I don't know because I can't see your face. <laughs> It's a, it's a hint. Oh. Um, yeah. So there's, a, there's so much there, though. Man, just putting that document. Oh, never mind. I won't go any more into it. <laughs> there you Rotation. go. Let us know. If you, Get in touch with us. Also, if you're sending us emails, please put a meaningful title. Like, I was just logged on the website because I can check emails through that, and there's like 87 emails, and none of them have titles. Or people are just like, a thing. Hello. And like, that's not a title. It doesn't help me discern what you're looking for. If you really want us to read your emails, tell us that we've won a free trip somewhere. Or that you're a Nigerian prince. Open those. We will open every single one of those. Yes, so please please put a meaningful title so I, I'm not sorting through a bajillion random spam emails. Send us your best Nigerian prince parody but as a uh, hive prince and what you're going to give hive us, what, what you're offering us and what we need oh, to do man. for you to, to get, yes. get yes. that stuff. Perfect. <laughs> I, I want to know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, pl- please. Note. Yeah, as a hive prince. Oh, that may that may that may get. There we go. That's the contest for my uh, my ascendancy <laughs> banner. Nice. Um, oh, and and you know what? We uh, I haven't haven't or I haven't read many. <laughs> I haven't read many of the uh, our our reviews lately from iTunes. At least not on the air. I've been I keep up with them all, but. Yeah, head over there. iTunes reviews are fun. Uh, love them. And I know people leave comments on Podbean. It's still a pain in the butt to read those, but, uh, but I do try to find them when I, when I have time. Uh, so any, any comments about episodes are great. Love them. And that's it. We are yeah. going to end it at the beginning of the end of Crota's End for next week. What? The end is the beginning <laughs> is the end. End of the beginning of the end of the end. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> beginning See you next time. Bye. Have a good night.
<laughs> Gavel throws in the wolf back. Wolf job. Oh no. <laughs> uh, thank goodness. What's he doing? Making <laughs> steamed buns. <laughs> That's so the most amazing so wolf job gif ever. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is pretty funny. <laughs> I gotta say. Oh, That's the kitchen in the Iron Temple. <laughs> That's what the wolves do. <laughs> They're slaves to Saladin. There's one of these from the. Uh, oh man, what the hell's that guy? I can't think of the guy's name right now. That did those. But there's that. There's that same uh, gif where there's this, you know, the little puffy guys that are in some of those gavel? Uh-huh. There's one where there's one, he's got, like, really long legs and arms, and he's running, like, sprinting back and forth in the background on fire. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. And I was like, I was I almost put Sherb's face on there. I'm like, nah, I better make sure it's okay with her first. <laughs> oh, yeah, stick my face on anything. You don't okay. even have to oh. picture my actual <laughs> face. That is Yeah, dude, we got one in... We got one in admin. Oh yeah, sure. Dude, I love that gif so much. Gif, gif so much. <laughs> it's hilarious. Please <clears throat> put full-size twenty-dollar bills into Bungie's candy basket and receive one ghost ghost. <laughs> maybe. Right. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> Probably. No, maybe. Who was it? Was it? Was it Gethalian who spent like hundred and fifty bucks and didn't get anything? No, it was uh, Broman uh, opened, Broman. He opened f- I think, 50 packages to get his first ghost. Which is, oh I mean, that's God. exceptionally awful luck, right? All right. There, check out check out Admin real quick. There it is. <laughs> Actually, I should probably put... <laughs> I, should, I should probably put drop space on the guy on fire like he's fucking pissed. And put sherbet on the the cup. Because <laughs> there's like have, they're having this gigantic battle with these fucking robots right before they go to intermission. <laughs> wow, it is Halloween. Where sherbet's yeah. at? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's tonight. I gotta That's make awesome. Sure. What music? We gotta we gotta find some cool music to use. I'm gonna be a lumberjack tomorrow. Yeah. Are you? Nice. Well, I mean, we figured out that there's only like half a step between hipster and lumberjack. I've already got the beard. All literally, all I needed to do was buy a pair of suspenders, which it's silly that I didn't already own, right? <laughs> so yeah, who doesn't own suspenders? I, I bought suspenders so, and a little a plastic like wood chopping axe, and had a Halloween costume. So I had. Now you need you need to get a little, you need to get a flip phone and like a vape thing, and be be a hipster lumberjack. That'd be perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, I had so I had uh, had some suspenders that were like Halloween themed for whatever reason. I think one year I wore like a gorilla mask with like black pants, a white shirt, and these orange pumpkin suspenders, and. Uh, my daughter wanted to use them to wear to school because she wanted to go as like a nerd or something. I don't know. And she's like, hey, Dad, where are all your other suspenders? I want to go look through them. I'm like, I don't have any other suspenders. That's like all I got. Like a large collection of suspenders? I, no, no. That'd be like asking me to see my bow tie collection or some shit. It's like, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have that. But she, you just, she just looks so, so confused on her face. She's like, 
Wait, you're old and you don't have suspenders? How does that work exactly? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, no, no, I've got a pair of suspenders here. 